Hey guys, this is GM Dustin from the Staggering Dragon, and I just wanted to congratulate you on the 100th episode of The Order 66. Um, I've been a long-time listener uh, way back in the saga days, and uh, you guys really got me back into gaming several years ago. And I just wanted to say thank you for everything you've done in the past, and sex in advance for everything in the future. Thanks a lot, guys. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Live. You're listening to the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and the generous donations of Jared Williams, Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, Sean Kumar, Darren Hampton, Andy Bethel, B. Witzel, and Balaam's Blasters. What is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, and for those tuning in for the very first time, this is a weird episode for you to tune into. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Because this is the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And you have joined us for episode 100, gentlemen. And uh, so it's going to be a very interesting episode, and I'm of course joined by two gentlemen of verve, uh, passion, uh, promise, and occasional disappointment. Uh, my co-hosts, uh, GM Phil and GM Dave, uh, one of whom is apparently on death's freaking door. Um, yeah, dude. So you came back from like two weeks in Mexico with the bird fru. <laughs> bird fru. That's right. My own personal copy H5N1. They call me. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, Damn. I, uh, ooh, ooh. The good news is that the mortality rate is only forty percent. Only forty percent. That's right. Well, I, I, you should feel fortunate then. That that's really good. I mean, that the odds are in your favor. The odds are ever in my favor. I know. I, I, uh, I uh, managed to avoid the hospital on Thursday, so I was pretty lucky. Congratulations. <laughs> Damn straight, man. I, that was that was the day. That was it. Either I was going in the hospital and going to die, or I was going to come home. So that was nice. I came well, I'm home. glad you decided to come home. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're glad too. Jeez, man. Well, that's not something we would want for the hundredth episode. <laughs> Welcome to episode one hundred. Now there's only two of us. <laughs> in yeah, episode one hundred in memoriam. <clears throat> And because it, you know, and and I would, I would weep and I would mourn the death of one of my best friends and the godfather to my child. 
Um, but because it's me and because it's you, I would then spend the next seven hours editing together like a mix of every hilarious flummox you've ever made on air. And that would be episode 100, all of it. <laughs> and I would, I would, that would be funny. I would polish off a bottle of whiskey and broadcast it live for the world to hear. Uh, whiskey brought to us by Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Colorado. I still have my bottle of Breckenridge whiskey. I haven't had the uh, chance to open it yet. So I've killed about half of mine. Uh, that beautiful bottle of whiskey I got from Colorado is actually at my parents' place. I took it up there last time we went um, uh, for the recent holiday, and we polished off half the bottle. It's still up there. Um, and I'm a little sad, but I'm, I'm, I'm consoled because right now to celebrate our 100th episode, I am, I am, God, three fingers deep into a 12-year-old bottle of the Dalmore. So I'm a... Well, so it's going to be a real fun time, Gamer Nation. It's going to be a real be fun more, time. Be more fun if you were... Never mind, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get this going? Let's do it. You guys want to get some announcements? Please. Announcements. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. What do we got? Well you guys have not or are not playing Star Wars Destiny and let's be honest why the hell aren't you then well you're not probably not going to listen to the podcast but if you are play a player of Star Wars Destiny and you really should be then you can't do much better in terms of understanding the game hype fun community the whole thing than by listening to the Knights of Ren a podcast they are on episode 302 don't let that fool you that's just episode like season three number two (laughs) since they have like a a professional numbering scheme and all that shit but (laughs) it's called you underestimate my power so this is one of the hosts jay he recounts his recent win at the store championships uh, how listeners in the community are helping him modify his deck and win the day and they talked about worlds last time and it's really kind of cool so uh They've got a lot of good insight into actual play. They've got good connections into the FFG guys, you know, like we do on the RPG side. These guys are hooked up on the dice side. So you guys take a listen to this. And, of course, you can find this and a whole lot more other really good podcasts at www.d20radio.com. And while you're there checking out awesome podcasts, you'll get just as much awesome fun from the d20radio.com blog itself. It's the only gaming blog banned by the gaming authorities on Cloud City, as the knowledge is considered too good to be fair. D20Radio.com remains the blog with some of the best fan-generated content and articles around. Some of the highlights from the past week, for Ravenloft curious out there, uh, Linda Whitson threw down a brilliant review of the 5th edition D&D mega module, The Curse of Strahd, with some play experience reviews and a good summation for those wanting to know more. And for those Rogue One fans, Chris Hunt wets our appetites with the rival stat blocks for Death Troopers. These zealots are in top condition with some nasty combat abilities and are ready to challenge your Star Wars players right now. And you can find all this right now and tons of more excellent content daily over at d20radio.com. 
Word. Um, FFG news this week, very brief but very important. Guys, what? Disciples of Harmony, the consular source book, it's out. <laughs> Damn right. It is out. Um, <laughs> it's on the shelves. It is awesome. It's on Amazon. It's on the shelves. Go buy it. Um, we guys, we, as you know, like we do, we are sure to have a developer episode um, about this book coming soon. We'll let you know when, so you'll be able to submit your questions to that show. We typically like to give a good two to three week lead time for that announcement, um, just so we can give you guys plenty of time to get questions in, and uh, of course, give a good week lead time to FFG uh, and their guests in order to answer those appropriate questions. But uh, really cool stuff. But guys, you guys can check out all the other official Star Wars RPG news by heading over to www.fantasyflightgames.com. Uh, and also, of course, if you guys are a fan of this show, you're a fan of the content we produce, all 100 crazy episodes of it, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can, of course, head to the uh, Phil's aforementioned at d20radio.com, where you'll find a couple buttons uh, on the right-hand side of the page. One will take you to our forums, the other will take you to our Patreon, or you can just head to patreon.com slash d20radio. Um, just a couple bucks a month, guys. That's all we ask. Keeps the keeps the servers humming, keeps the podcasts flowing, keeps our authors paid for the work they contribute to the blog, which is extremely important to us. Um, so yeah, do so. And of course, stay in the know. Follow us on social medias. We have uh, the Facebooks. Uh, we have obviously a very pumping, hopping, and flipping D twenty Radio group. Um, and of course, the Order 66 podcast page itself for news and podcast info on a daily basis. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at D20 Radio. Um, we post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. And I'm willing to bet the gaggle of people currently in chat for this 100th episode of the Order 66 podcast probably got that notification via one of those social media channels. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Do it. Follow it. It's 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 good. I had a listener um, email me a while back. He said, "Hey, um, yeah, I don't do Twitter, and I really just I'm not on Facebook that much, um, you know. So I mean, what else, you know? And I'm like, well, uh, you know, we have a show every two weeks, but dude, just sign up for Twitter, keep your account private, and I walked him through it. I said, don't follow anyone but us, and set your settings to get an email every time we send a tweet, and that way you'll just get email announcements. And he went, okay. And that dude contacted me about a month later and was like, dude, this is great. I'm not on Twitter, but I get email announcements every time you have a podcast coming. I said, yes, it's gorgeous. So Right on. Right on and far out. And solid. All right, so that's announcements, boys. Um, this is going to be kind of a crazy show. Do we just want to get right into this meet here? Yeah, Grill I it. think we should. Okay. Grill it. Grill it. So we are popping the top on a hundred FFG episodes. Um, as as I was pondering this, guys, it occurs to me that we, the Order sixty six podcast, has been on the air since January of two thousand and eight. Uh, for five years, we worked to started to spread the love of Wizards of the Coast Star Wars Saga Edition system, uh, and we released one hundred and sixty seven episodes devoted to that. But in the fall of 2012, <laughs> <laughs> something happened. Um, Wizards of the Coast had lost their Star Wars license earlier that year, and it was picked up uh, by none other than Fantasy Flight Games. Now, we were trepidatious. Mm-hmm. We were wary. And ultimately, we were kind of amazed 
Uh, we were amazed by the game they produced, uh, which we fell in love with. So much so that the fire was rekindled and we made a very fateful decision in December of 2012 to shift the Order 66 podcast from the old Saga Edition D20 system to FFG's Narrative Dice Star Wars system, completely starting a new podcast feed at episode one. And in the intervening four and a half years since then, (laughs) we have been amazed by our continually growing community and the fun and enjoyment that we've all gotten from this new system. The past almost 10, nine and a half years have seen the Order 66 podcast throw out hundreds of shows, amazing celebrity and industry guests, and even a host or four. (laughs) We've had segments galore, scores of reviewed books and materials, uh, build recommendations, and hundreds of answered questions. But as we now gather for the 100th episode of the new Order 66 podcast, we knew that we had to do something special. Now, the last five years, really since we first got our hands on that Edge of the Empire beta, have seen an amazing growth in this game, uh, in our games, and, and in this show. So it seemed the most fitting that we celebrate 100 episodes by really focusing on two things, and two things only. This game, and the fans who play it. Not only are we going to share our own retrospectives of the Order 66 podcast and the FFG system over the last few years, but we are going to have the greatest special guests imaginable join us. The special guests that mean the most to us, that have led to the success of this podcast, and some might say the success of this system. You, the fans, the listeners of this show. We're going to invite you on to ask your own questions of the Order 66 podcast, to share your own gaming and show moments with us, and to celebrate 100 episodes and five years of FFG Star Wars goodness. We're going to bring listeners on live, and we're also soliciting questions in our live Simulcats chat. So, guys, it's time. It's time to get to it. Um... My gosh. Retrospective, boys. I mean, Retrospective tonight re- on your Order 66 podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yep. See, I'm so, I'm so taken aback by this odd <laughs> show format. Um, so, I, listen, I want to I start bringing some peeps on to talk with us. But first, I thought, and, and Dave, I know you are sick as a dog, man. I mean, are, are you able to stay with us through any of this? <coughs> I'll be on for a little bit, <clears throat> maybe a little bit. So, I mean, with that in mind, I want to, I want to talk guys about, I mean, going back four and a half years and, and, and even before that, really about five years ago, um, I, I want to talk about the fateful announcement because all three of us were dedicated saga edition players, you know, for wizards oh, yeah. of the wizards of the coast system. And, you know, and when, when Watsy lost the license and then, and then FFG picked it up, I mean, what was going through your minds? What was going through our minds for this? I mean, your fears, your hopes. I mean, what? I mean, talk, talk to me about this because I'm, I'm cast the net back. Well, you remember it took us. Wow. I don't think I'm revealing anything that I shouldn't, but we. When did we get word officially that it was going to FFG? Was that like in. March or April? No, it was April or May. It was it was before Gen Con, obviously, because they tipped us all off before that. But yeah, 
we we found out we found out very very early but from that <clears throat> i remember one of the things that i really thought was awesome is that we made friends very quickly on with uh with jay and you know through through of course steve who you know who's the unsung hero at all this um he's the communications guy at ffg who was, hooked yeah. us up with yeah steve Horvath. with jay mm-hmm. right so you know he's then i think he's now the chief marketing officer for asmo day so he's important stuff he doesn't talk to us anymore but still <laughs> that was <laughs> that was uh that was really awesome for them to to take us kind of into the fold and, and allow us to kind of see a little bit of this and and uh i i i didn't know what to think to to be quite honest with you until until you know the day that we got the book because we weren't privy to a lot of the mechanics and stuff early no we 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 knew it was coming we were given a lot of early unprecedented access like to people but honestly, they were limited in what they could tell us based on more than official announcements. I mean, we, I mean, Dave and I didn't get a, get our hands on any material until the beta dropped. Um, right. So right, and so we were there at Gen Con and we got our books mm-hmm. during the during the uh, the big reveal where they gave everybody in the room a book, but which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I uh, there was a dude that was <clears throat> just as it was wrapping up. This dude got up in front of me and started to walk off. And I, and I, I remember stopping him and I'm like, dude, you don't want to leave. He's like, well, it's over. I said, you don't want to leave. I said, trust me. There's something about to happen. He's like, all right. And then five seconds later, the doors came open and the stormtroopers came in. It was awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> were, were you there for that, Phil? No, no, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was not my first Gen Con. I was at, at the first, my first Gen Con was the one where they first had the Force of Destiny beta. So that was two years before I'd even gone to Gen Con. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's right. I remember your first Gen Con. It was like a huge deal for you. It was. It, it, it was all <laughs> wide eyes and just amazement the whole way around. <laughs> oh, the first Gen Con. I remember my first Gen Con. It's just like, oh, this is, this is Mecca. This is unreal. Um, right dude that's that's fantastic so okay dude phil so okay you didn't join us as a co-host until a couple years ago no no um i was doing a bit for you guys yeah. i had taken over the fragments from the rim bit for the first show and um so i was submitting you know little five to seven minute listener bits for you folks for a long time and i i've been a d20 grognard the system not 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 just the radio um but i've been a d20 grognard since 99 you know since third edition was dropped a third edition dnd so as you go through all those iterations of 33.5 and then original core rulebook revised core rulebook of star wars role-playing game and then finally the saga edition role-playing game um rodney thompson made an outstanding Standing D20 system. I l- absolutely loved it. I liked his work when he did D20 Modern, and I thought that what he incorporated into Star Wars Saga Edition was phenomenal. So that was my system. I loved that damn thing, and I tried to convert everything I could to the D20 Saga system. <laughs> we, we, so, had, we had a lot of those projects, didn't we? We did a lot of those projects. Um, so when they finally came out and said, you know, Watsi is ending the license, where the, here's the last book, The Unknown Regions. Um, I was concerned. I'm like, okay, 
what's coming next. Is anything coming next? Because even at that point, we're like, okay, all the books are done. Um, there was no mention of like you know episode seven, eight, nine way back then. Um, so we thought like Star Wars itself was sort of done. We only all we had for like new Star Wars material was the Clone Wars. Um, and then we heard about Fantasy Flight Games getting a license, and I'm like, oh no, 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 no! They're not no, they're no way in hell could they do anything as good as what as what Rodney did. No man, no. And then we got the books and. I, I'd heard you guys talk about it on the show, and I'm like, all right, I might give it a chance. I was really turned off by the fact that it was only like smugglers and, and fringer types in the in the first book, and that we supposedly weren't going to be getting Jedi for a couple of years down the line. Because let's face it, that's that's my huge bailiwick. That's my huge thing about Star Wars is the Jedi. Yeah. And I didn't go to Gen Con that year, but I did go to Celebration that year. And Fantasy Flight Games was at Celebration because they had out X-Wing and they had a giant stack of the beta rules for for Star Wars. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll buy it. And I devoured that goddamn thing on the flight home. (laughs) (laughs) I could not put that book down. I read it through. I'm like, holy crap, this is phenomenal. (laughs) And... And, and yeah, just for years since, I, I, I didn't think I could find a system that better captured everything about Star Wars. I mean, Saga had the crunch down. It, it, it was solid, but at some point, it just becomes too bloated. It, it becomes unplayable. Um, this system doesn't have that problem. It doesn't. You, you can... You can tune things up you can you can dial things up as needed but even you don't even have to do that a, a squad of four stormtroopers will still be just as lethal to a 500 or even a thousand xp character as it will someone right out of the gates the the system can handle the, the system encourages a narrative colla- collaborative effort on the part of the pcs it's not who can go first it's who who can do the most effective thing first and that can change from time to time. Um, I'm just, I am blown away by what this system can do and what this system can handle. And this is now my my favorite system to run Star Wars in. I, I I've I, played them all. I, I couldn't agree more, man. I but I I remember I remember when things dropped. Um. I, re- I remember I remember when we got the announcement and it was just I don't know man when you devote five years of yourself so slavishly to something it's like God could anything live up to it you know what I mean sure um and the thing about the thing about this system for me what what turned me on it was and I I haven't really spoken about this before I don't think but it was a bit of an awakening in me as a gamer uh, see what you did there uh, yeah oh, thank you um, unintentional, unintentional. I'm too, I'm too, uh, I'm too buzzed for that to be intentional. Um, it, it was a bit of an awakening for me as a gamer because I didn't realize how, um, God, there's a way to put this. I was getting a sense of ennui towards the general concept of the D20 mechanic. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I think there's certain evolutions you go through as a gamer. Um, 
you know, and I think back to the fact that for, you know, I, I, I went head over heels and completely lost myself into third edition D&D and 3.5 um, in college. I mean, when Living Greyhawk was running, I mean, I was I was insane with it. And then I just sure. got I got done with it and I got tired. And then uh, Watsy dropped the Eberron campaign setting and that blew my mind and I wanted to play in it. And I got like two more years worth of games out of that. And then I was done. I was done with D20. And then Saga Edition released. And I, I loved Star Wars for so long, and I had such fond memories of playing WEG, and we had some good times playing OCR and RCR, um, that I, I was I was like, oh, God, this is incredible. And that that launched this whole new love affair. But honestly, that was like the only D20 I touched for the longest time. Um, and, you know, I don't know, something about seeing this game in action and this mass acceptance and really getting on the table and playing it introduced me to a more narrative style of play that I didn't really realize I'd been craving. And now it's honestly typically what I prefer in a game. I mean, I'll get my Jones. I'll go back and throw down a really tactically heavy RPG on occasion um, or play in one. But I didn't realize I needed that so bad. So I I don't know. That's, that's kind of that. That's kind of where I'm on. Um, uh, 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 gosh, Will's in chat. He says he says he got into it because RCR was such a turnoff because he never role played before, um, and the D twenty rules aren't great when you never played anything before and no one's introducing it to you. Um, so man, um, I don't know, Dave. What what are I mean, where was your head for the conversion and the announcement and the loss of the license? I mean, we we had some, you and I had some pretty heady discussions about this. There was a lot of soul searching, I think, when it came to the podcast. Yeah, we really didn't know what our move was going to be. What you know, we're um, the, it was obvious to us. You know, the game was coming to an end. It was the end of life for D twenty, and I remember putting together that retrospective that that day that we decided to make the change and and uh it really kind of felt like a rebirth if you will um around you know new system new excitement new just new everything and i mean i really didn't know what quite to think and it just it it just turned out so well for us from a community standpoint Everybody who had our back before still did. The game, of course, turned out to be great. And I mean, what else? What else can you really say about it aside from, you know, aside from the fact that that it really evolved us? I guess you could say. And yeah, we, I, <coughs> excuse me. Looking back on it, <clears throat> I guess it was pretty obvious that we should have said, "Hey, you know." Let's look at Warhammer and see, you know, gamer, you know, game companies do nothing other than reproduce what's already working for them. And <clears throat> so that would have been a very nice little thing for us to, hey, gee whiz, but, you know, <laughs> in retrospect. It, but still, I mean, it, it was great. It was just, it was, uh, I think it was some memory cycles that we just didn't know where we were going to go with it. We're getting a lot of interesting stuff in chat. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, Will had his comment earlier. Um, uh, Dustin from Staggering Dragon says, D20, I've heard this from more than one person. D20 was all I knew, um, and, and Saga fell right into place, and it was a hard transition for FFG. Whereas you got GM Scott, uh, Scott Alden, uh, who's in chat. He says, FFG's system brought me back into RPGs, plain and simple. 
Um, you know, and, and others like Swiftdraw, they're saying, you know, that they were burned out on D20 and FFG system came as a relief. And it's, it, it's, it's weird seeing this different pendulum of, of responses to it. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's almost a bit of a perfect storm. Um, what, what sold you guys on the system when you first read it? I mean, Phil, you talk about that fevered plane ride where you're devouring this book. What sold you on it? The potential for the, um, the potential results for the dice. The, 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 it took me, it took me a little while to, to really grasp it and figure it out. But it, and I, I don't even think I actually really understood the potential of it all until I actually got it down on the table and I ran the, my, my first session there. Um, the, which was the, I believe it was, we ran the, the adventure in the back of the book. And just all the results that could come from, and Jay Little's talked about it on the show, the three axes of determination. Success, failure, advantage, threat, and then separately, triumphs and despairs. Um, just that dynamic and, and excitement of, okay, you're going to do this, you're setting up the action, and, and you, you take the action, roll the dice. Okay. Here's what happens. <laughs> I've, I've never experienced that in a game before, and 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 I've never had a die roll, a game where a die roll alone got everyone at the table involved and invested in helping to determine what happens. Because everyone does it. I mean, especially if me as the GM roll threats and despairs, then the PCs are all like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah." <laughs> Or, or someone just rolls like you know a failure, but like six advantages and a triumph, and the person just kind of stares at his dice, dumbfounded, looks around at his fellow PCs, and goes, "Guys, I got nothing. What happens?" And everyone gets involved in. Okay, you can do this and have this, and then this could happen too. And and it's it, it got me thinking about not just running a game but playing the game on an entirely different level and an entirely different scope. And that's, that's what I really love about this system. See, this is interesting because clone commando 3113 is in chat and he, he asked the question. <laughs> he, he, he wanted to know uh, uh, specifically um, if you had to pick one thing about FFG's system that stands out above other RPGs, that's what it would be. And Phil, I think, I think that's your answer. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, for for me, Clone Commando, um, the thing about the system, I, I I have to agree. I have to agree with with Phil's answer, um, and and expanding on it even more. The thing that is, you don't realize it until you do that. It's so Star Wars. Um, is is the ability to fail while still have something good happen? Or the ability to succeed while still having something poor happen, as as Phil alluded to earlier, those multiple axes of resolution—that's what kills it for me. Um, that's what I absolutely adore. Um, I mean, that that's 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 I haven't found that in any other system I've played. I mean, Dave, what about you? And guys, just so you know, I'm going to bring a couple people into the call real quick. Okay. Dave? Dave, you still there? Oh, 
I thought you were like pausing to bring people on. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm, we're 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 going we're going hardcore here. It's going to be a terrible show. I'm going to do this live. We're going to have technical issues. It's going to be crazy. But no, please answer. What what's your favorite thing about uh, about you know what what differentiates this from any other RPG for you? Uh it's well. I mean, it's been said uh, numerous times. The um just the dice, the system, the narrative way in which everything can be told. It is easily. Uh, well, you know, obviously it got me into GMing for the first time, duh, you know, so it was, um, it was something for me that I enjoyed D20. The math was, you know, always at the table and I really didn't care so much about the mechanics of the, of the math at the table, especially with, you know, we've all had the buddies that, well, you know, it's a, CL 12 well you know I'm going to roll an 18 and it's not successful the next time I'm going to miraculously roll a 19 and it's still not successful and then I get a, a 20 and it's, <laughs> then it's oh and somehow I now I get a 21 finally and I hit it you know I mean come on and so yeah we, we've, we've got we've got our guys that do that kind of thing but this is so much more cut and dry and from a result standpoint, not a fudge standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. Um, I do. I do. And I got to go through. I got to throw two quick shout outs, by the way, um, in <clears throat> chat. Uh, we are joined by in the chat by none other than uh, the silver chocolate himself, Mr. Sterling Hershey. Um, not only a longtime friend of the podcast, but uh, the only man who's ever done development work for every single Star Wars RPG in existence. So welcome, Sterling. And also the skill monkey himself, Fiddleback, is in chat. Dude, hello. But we are also joined now live on Skype by Ian Houlihan, GM Hooli, um, and Clone Commando 3113, Derek. Um, gentlemen, hello. Hello. <laughs> Hopefully everyone can hear me. I think I think we certainly can. I think we certainly can. So, guys, um, you know, and and for um, and I'm, I'm glad to have you both on and join us, Derek. I wanted to ask you this question. I wanted to bring you on as well because you asked this question about what differentiates it for us. Um, I mean, I mean, to expand on that, man, what differentiates it for you? What makes you a fan of this system? Oh, I I have to say it's a narrative freedom for the player. Uh, I recently had a player join a Pathfinder game for us. She'd never played a game, a role-playing game in her life. Uh, but right off the bat, she was making excellent roles and really got into the story and asking, you know, can my character like dive over the railing and like grapple onto the guy and throw him over the edge? And I felt so restricted by the Pathfinder system just saying, well, <laughs> yeah, but that's going to require this role and that role. Whereas it, I immediately knew she would latch onto Star Wars and we're going to be running a... Uh, Clone Wars game coming up here shortly, and I know she's going to take to it like a champ. Now, you so you obviously have a lot of experience with D20. Oh, yeah. I've been running a Pathfinder game on and off in different uh, campaigns for five years now. Dude, I also have to say, you have the coolest Skype picture I've ever seen, man. You look like a serious pimp. Um. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now, it's okay. It's a pretty old photo, but... Well, we'll, we'll treat it like it's brand new. Um, awesome. Now, Hooli, you're on, bro. Yeah. No. From obviously, hello, hello, and welcome. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Now, from an opposing perspective, man, you commented mm. in chat a moment ago that you never latched on to D20 to begin with. 
No, well, I started way back in uh, the old D6 West End games, and I played that for ages. And then when uh, it, everything went over to D20, my players just out and out refused because um, we'd played D&D for a long time and they just didn't feel that it was going to be Star Wars. So um, it wasn't until much later on towards the end of RCR that um, that I ran some of that for about two years. Um, and then for whatever reason, we stopped playing that and I moved, um, I think it was much, much later towards the end of, of um, D20 Saga that, um, that I picked that up. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was going to be cancelled. So it's sort of, <laughs> I, I came into the, I came into late and do everything apparently. Um, but, um, we'd sort of, uh, then all of a sudden we, we heard about, um, fantasy flight games getting to the system and I just was systemed out for Star Wars RPG, I think. And so I stopped, um, uh, I just said, no, I'm not going to do it at all. And it wasn't until, well, gee, well and truly, um, once the, the main core rule book came out that I even bought the book. Uh, and it sat on my shelf for about, geez, it, it sat on my shelf probably until just before the beta for Force of Destiny came out. Um, so I, I'd missed it completely. Um, but then I got into it and um, uh, one of my players, Harris, he suggested um, this little podcast that deals with this sort of thing. And I'd spoken to Sam Whitworth ages ago, just to name drop. Um, and, um, he'd, uh, he'd suggested, uh, you guys in the past, but i as I said, I missed, um, D20 Saga. So I then moved over instead to, um, uh, you know, once I, once I heard about, um, and started going, right, well, I'm going to run a game of this new system that, uh, Harris suggested we'll go back and, and, um, Listen to these guys because they um, they've now swapped over to doing the FFG system. And I said, "Great," and the rest is history. <laughs> oh, it's interesting to see this kind of different perspectives. Um, now, Hulu, this wasn't a problem for you, but Fiddy actually just asked a question in chat, and well, Phil, I'll let you're you're a chat monger. I'll let you I'll let you deal with that. But I think if, I think I think I think we can answer it, and I think Derek might be a good person to answer as well. Uh, yeah, Phil's question from the chat about how long did it take us to get out of the mindset? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I'd say uh, we ran my original play to or play group through Star Wars. Uh, we ran about two seasons, is what we called it, about ten episodes each. Um, and I would say it took maybe about until almost the end of our first season, so episode eight or nine that we were doing, uh, to really just forget all of uh, my like mental roadblocks or uh, little tricks and stuff for running anything in D20. I just threw it all out the window and said, all right, whatever the dice roll here in the system, let's just see what happens and we'll come up with something cool. Um. Well, actually, I'll, I'll let Huli answer that one too. Um, and to be sorry, to, what was the question? So to be clear, to be clear, in in, in chat, uh, Fiddleback was curious how long did it take all of you mugs to get out of the D twenty mindset running FFG Star Wars? Um, 
for our group, uh, we hadn't gamed together for a while. Um, and uh, I was always, I've always been the sort of GM that will be more narrative anyway, if possible. And I'd just come off the, the back of running an absolute bucket load of, of Pathfinder. And I was just D20'd out. It, um, it just wasn't doing it for me. It, it, I wasn't able to get out of the system what I wanted out of gaming, and I felt so restricted. Um, and I was running a lot of the adventure paths as well. So I was ready for something new. So when this new system with funky dice came in, I've gone, mm, do I want to be doing this? But then I started reading, and I think I was a bit like Phil, um, except I obviously was with uh, the book once it uh, had come out, uh, you know, got out of beta, uh, and I just lapped it up and gone, I so want to do this. Um, but I really didn't know what I was doing, and I went to a convention and played a game there, which was run by, a, you know, a fairly average GM. Uh, but then I listened to the first episode that you guys did for the new system, um, the live play podcast with um, Sterling Hershey and um, and that group. And my God, I just I've gone. This is this is the system for me. This is what I've been waiting for, and I just cannot get enough. And I've said this to a number of people that I will retire on the system. I don't need any other system at all. It's great. I love it. <laughs> so, Dave, Phil, what about you? I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be short and sweet with it. I'll 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 say if you want to understand my trials and tribulations switching from the D twenty mindset, listen to episode twenty four, which I did with Phil uh, when Dave was on hiatus. Uh, Kung Pao Chicken. Um, that about sums it up for me. And it took me a while. Dave, do you remember the first game we ever played where I was still in that D20 mindset and it was with Cat and Brev and all the old crew? And, yeah. And then and, and Cat got so frustrated that she jumped off the building. <laughs> she jumped off the side of the building. That was, well, that was one of those. <clears throat> uh, and and to, to, you know, to answer the question first, how long did it take me to get into this system? It, it, it took my very first check because my first check was, a triumph, and then I, I uh, like uh, I used it to like bring the cat up the, the the catwalk down that the guy was standing on. I remember that. I remember that check. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, and so I made such an indelible footprint, I guess you could say, and that it uh, that was it for me. I was hooked from moment one. But yeah, that was it. It 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 was a duck taking the water, is what it was right there. <clears throat> mm. Mm. Yes, it's very, very good. I think it took me a few months, honestly. A few, a few games. Well, it's not fair. A couple games. It took me a couple sessions to get out of it, I think. But I mean, Phil, what are your thoughts on this question, man? Um, it's, it took a while. Um, and it kind of happened in stages. Um, as far as the whole, you know, getting the whole dice and the narrative system, that kind of went quick. Um, that, 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 that I was, I was in by the end of the first session. Um, but as far as completely getting out of the D20 mindset, that took a while. It took me several sessions before I realized that I really didn't have to, and it was actually a detch, almost a detriment to really script out as much as I did in the old system. Um, you know, I, I've completely changed how I write my, my, my stories now for, for most of my, uh, for most of my party. I tend to write, like, outlines now, whereas before, 
I ran stuff that was more uh, analogous to to like an adventure module, you know, with a lot of dialogue and a lot of pre-scripted things, and and y- you almost can't do that because the dice can throw <laughs> that all into out of whack. Um, and then, yes, so really, from a from a running and playing perspective, it was relatively quickly, but from a GM's perspective, it's probably a good like you know half year. Wow, honestly. I think to become a good GM, I would probably agree. I, I don't, and I don't, I don't think you would disagree with this, but this system has made me a better GM in, oh, yeah. oh, in a God. way. Mm, in, absolutely. In, yeah. In, in a way that nothing else has just because of the fact that, that to run it correctly, it teaches you how to think on your feet and to be open and flexible in a way that, um, that no other game can. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's that's that's it's remarkable that way. It's it's absolutely remarkable. So okay, we we got a, a few minutes left here with with Derek and Ian. So guys, do you have any <coughs> questions for us about the podcast or the system or our games or anything? Well, I've got one that I've been meaning to bring in for messages from the edge, but since you guys were so gracious to bring me on, I guess I'll ask it now. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to be bringing uh, that group of players back to Star Wars, and we're going to be running a night-level game. Uh, and two players have expressed interest in being uh, Master and Apprentice for the Jedi Order. Uh, and I'm totally fine with one of them coming in with less XP as the Apprentice. Uh, but uh, what amount of XP do you think they should have as this this Apprentice character entering into the Clone Wars, surrounded in the thick of combat, uh, with all of these night level characters. I'll I'll take a stab at this first. Please. Um if the if the Padawan we'll call the Padawan and call the ma- uh, we'll call the master. If the Padawan is focused. I mean focused on a a a solid character build, be it, you know, if their thing is support, if their thing is combat, if their thing is skills, um, if they are focused on their build, a starting character could pull it off. A starting character could handle a party with easily with 150 XP characters. Um, it'll help out better, and it'll, their odds of survival will increase if they're combat-focused, because that means that whatever threats you throw at the other characters, they, they should still be able to at least have the basic skills to be able to support that. Um, for example, you know, if, they're, if their combat stat is a, is a 4, you know, so they're rolling four dice for attacks or whatnot. Um, that'll increase their odds of survival. Um, but if they're building like a, a, a support character and all they intend to do is kind of hang back and just use like you know either inspiring rhetoric or whatever force power they have or, or whatnot to support the other team, the rest of their team, they should be fine. That's my okay. that's my take is that you could start them as just a raw starting character, and they could probably handle it pretty well. I honestly have to agree. Um, one of the things I found that's really interesting about the system, Derek, is the fact that I can put a character with, I can put a starting character along in, into a party with a character who has 150 or 200 or 300 earned XP, and both characters can still handle themselves ridiculously well against the challenges I throw at them. Um, so I mean, you you could you could honestly do that. I mean, and really, if you wanted to throw uh, you know fifty or a hundred XP their way, I mean that would be fine too. Um, 
but I mean, this is that's one of the other cool things about this system is that it's not level dependent. There's no levels, mm-hmm. and and as Phil alluded to earlier, like a, a party of four stormtroopers is as deadly to a night level character as it is to a beginner character. So honestly, I, you could get away with just a beginner character. I, I really have to do agree with Phil. Awesome. Well, so, thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. Um, now, real quick, Dave had to drop out, guys. His lungs are killing him, and he was on the door of death. So he, he's with us. He's with us in spirit for the rest of this. Indeed. Quick, someone roll a medicine check. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hooli, bro, do you have any questions for us? Look, I've probably asked all the questions um, when uh, when I've been at Gamination Con, but the one that I've never asked is, how did you and Dave meet? Wow. Um, there you go. Um, he was my boss, if you can believe it. <laughs> um, I, I, um, God, I'm going to try and give me a moment to marshal my thoughts so I can tell this as succinctly as I can. Um, I got my Bachelor of Science in Psychology uh, five years in a thesis to realize I didn't have the time, money, or inclination for graduate school. <laughs> um, and so I, I graduated with my degree. Um, and you know, you can do fine with a BS in psychology as long as you, you focus on like industrial organization when you go into human resources or something like that. I, I had not, I had focused on clinical. Um, and there's about fuck all you can do with, <laughs> with a, with a bachelor of science in, in, in clinical psychology. Um, you know, uh, you know. But I was determined to find something in my degree field. I had a small nest egg built up, and so I, 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 um, um, I, I struck out into the world. Um, and without getting into too much detail, after three months, I was unemployed, uh, looking at an eviction notice, uh, <laughs> and I was out of money. Um, and and I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And through college, I had managed uh, uh, retail, um, GameStop specifically. Um, and so I had some retail experience and I had a friend who was actually in the banking industry and, and said, listen, do you, do you need a, do you need a job? Do you need a, uh, just a a way to pay the bills? I'm like, God, yes. He says, well, listen, you have, you have management experience, you have cash handling experience. Um, and I know you, you have integrity. So I want you to just apply for my, my bank. Um, they need, they have a teller position open. I'm like, okay, fine. So I applied and the interview went extremely well and they didn't offer me the job. They instead offered me a position as a banker. Um, and so I, I ended, I said, well, F yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> and the first branch I ever worked at, um, there the branch manager was a guy by the name of Dave Viegas. And <laughs> that's how Dave and I met, um, as sort of an, empl- uh, boss employee relationship. And we worked together for a couple years, um, and discovered, uh, very similar geeky passions. Um, you know, when I should have been doing work, I was in Dave's office and we were like discussing RPGs and, uh, you know, sci-fi movies we liked. And, um, uh, you know, I, I pulled him into, into role-playing basically, which is something that he did once upon a time, like D and D back in the old days, but hadn't got into it in his Mm -hmm. adult life. And, uh, uh, he did. So yeah, well, well, he was still my boss. I was his, uh, his DM. So that was interesting. Um, (laughs) And anyway, then I moved on to a different career path uh, and worked for a different institution, and uh, we just became extremely, extremely good friends. So, yeah. There you go. I did not know that. Well, now I do. And so does everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Excellent. All right. 
Well, Derek, Ian, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for joining us. Um, My pleasure. Thanks for uh, the opportunity. With this. Um, And thank you both for your continued support of the podcast. But let's uh, get prepped to bring some other people on and maybe shift our conversation just a wee bit. Sounds good. All right. Um, So actually, I'm going to bring on a couple more people. Um, the first is, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta do it. I, I just, I gotta do it because he's here and we said we weren't going to have developers on. We said we were going to focus on the fans, but honestly, you can't not bring on Sterling Hershey. So I've, I've got to bring on Mr. Sterling Hershey. Sterling, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> it's good to hear from you. Good to hear from you guys. Man, it's yeah. Uh, I missed having you on, man. I missed having you on. It's been too long. It's been way too long. Um, so, oh, this is uh, this is uh, this is great. This is great. So, Sterling, I wanted to talk to you about something very specific, and I thought it might be worthwhile to bring you on. Um, in particular, the the evolution of this system, because there, it's it's been controversial um, that we've. We, we had sort of the beta releases, not only the beta releases, but also the breaking up of the system into three lines. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to get your, your feedback on that in terms of what you can tell us uh, from a development perspective um, and your thoughts on, on, you know, how this system genesis and then the continued effort of releasing sort of the betas for the core rulebooks. Um, and then obviously the, bake, the breaking up of the, of the game into three separate lines. So uh, the uh, breaking it up into three lines um, that that one surprised me uh, when they when they told us what that was going to happen um, and uh, it's actually uh, worked out better than I than I feared it might um, I didn't know how people were going to take the breaking out the the force use and the Jedi uh, type stuff uh, pushing it so far down the road. But um, on the other hand, Edge, when it, uh, when it arrived and when we uh, were working on it, it did feel very, very much like the original, for me, like the original uh, Western games. Uh, because it also had, you know, had, it was the same time frame, ex- expectation of less force use, at least in the beginning, um, that kind of thing. So... <laughs> Um, from that standpoint, it, it, it really worked out pretty well. Um, and so, um, I think, so obviously now that all three systems are out, um, it also makes it easier because you can point people to, Hey, if you like this kind of thing, you, 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 you know, if you like the force you use, go for force of destiny, uh, et cetera. I would be really interested to know, um, sort of how many people just buy one of the, one of the core rule books versus how many people buy all of them. Uh, I think that'd be, that'd be an interesting well, if, survey. They, if they're listeners to this podcast, they've no doubt bought all of them. But <laughs> of course, you need to buy all of them. and all the all the fantastic uh, supplement books too. All of them, all, all of them. them, absolutely, every single one. Um, <laughs> so okay, man. Yeah, but, but from the beta, now in the beta, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, obviously the beta uh, that let's see. Of course, I, I guess I knew that was happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I would hope so. Yeah. Well, well, Did I didn't you know tell that. Chris and Dave you guys want to be at the flight report. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that was. I don't think that don't, was Sterling. I don't actually, think so. no. no, no, it wasn't Sterling. Sterling, Sterling was ironclad his NDA, like you would not believe, because we hit him up, <laughs> and he was like, "Guys, yep. even if I was working on anything, you know, I couldn't talk about it." And we're like, "Okay." <laughs> um, well, and you know, even even I didn't know exactly what they were going to do if they were going to, you know. Uh, thought they were going to say something and do something. Were they going? I did, didn't know they were going to hand out a copy of the beta to everybody in the room. The, <laughs> that, that, was, took me, that definitely took me by surprise. Um, and uh, uh, so I did the um, one of the things I ended up doing was the uh, adventure in the beta. Yeah. Uh, that they came back and had me do that later. Um, so that was fun uh, to take take a shot at that and. Um, Oh, I guess the other thing about the announcements that I didn't expect was the Dice app. And so I got the Dice app basically the, that day. One of the first people to, to, to buy it, download it, and have it crash my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, it didn't crash the whole phone, but it did crash. Uh, but that was funny because I was standing next to next to some of the FFG guys. And so I just said, um, this just happened. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. It may have been the only time it ever crashed, but uh, that was kind of funny. Yeah, back when it was only five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never had it crash on me. I've never had it crash. Yeah, same here. It's, it's been one of those things. Also, I have to share this in chat. It's, it's cracking me up. Um, somebody says, "Hey, wait a minute! I thought this was fans only. What's Sterling doing in there?" And uh, uh, somebody responded and said, uh, "It was Clone Command." And said, "Yeah, but developers are fans too, right?" And Swiftdraw says, "No, they must be completely unbiased." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have worked on all of them, so... This is true. I'm as close as you get, probably. <laughs> this is great. Okay, also joining us on the call is our own uh, Austin Catan, uh, Will File. Will, how you doing, man? Will? Will? We cannot hear you if you're talking, Will, but that's okay. That's okay. Um... So Sterling, I mean, while Will's getting his stuff together, so Sterling, man, I mean, talk to me about, uh, talk to me, I mean, I mean, you've had obviously the most experience probably than just about anybody with this system and obviously many others. I'm really interested in expanding uh, on the earlier question, what different, I mean, and, and, and obviously as a man who's hand, had a hand in writing a lot of this, what differentiates this system from you from the others that have come before it or any other RPGs out there? Uh, well, well, the dice, obviously, um, the, the, the narrative system, um, having having dice that do both um, success and failure versus um, uh, you know actually giving you some hint as to other things that happen when you when you make your skill check in terms of the advantage or or threat. So good things. But the idea that some that the dice yeah, were going to tell great. you that something that something good was going to happen even if you missed or something bad was going to happen even if you succeeded right, guys, in something that's okay well go ahead sterling that's okay um the um so i think that aspect is definitely <clears throat> the most unique feature of it um and uh, and i didn't play the the, the warhammer uh game that uh, ffg did before that so i didn't have any any experience with that um going into it but um so I, you know that's that that is actually yeah the biggest differentiator i guess fair enough fair enough so will are you on now 
Yeah, buddy. Sorry, I listened through the app on my phone because the ads on uh, Ustream make me want to kill someone. I don't know if it's myself or Ustream developer. But well, don't don't has- don't kill anyone. But still, 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 it's 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 all good. It's all good. So, um, I mean, Will, for you, I mean, do you have any questions for us or for, you know, about the podcast or anything else as we come on? Your thoughts on this system and your entry into it? You had some interesting comments in chat earlier. You know, I, something I've always kind of wondered about, I want your opinion on it. Okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something I, have, I, I couldn't help but notice as time has gone on regarding the game. Um, and that is... It's also a sad thing we don't have Jay on, and also that he, you know, left FFG for health reasons, because I kind of wonder, you know, what if not by the grace of God. Um, have you noticed that uh, the evolution of the game, you know, between what we got with the first few uh, supplement books and the, you know, Edge of the Empire, I mean, I feel a little bit more crunch worked in, but honestly, it wasn't bad, because some, because some stuff was left really up in the air. I always wondered uh, what your guys' thoughts were on that. So I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I'm a bit confused on the question. Um, I'm just wondering if, if, if you, if, if that was only my observation, or if you kind of noticed it too. Uh, like an example would be, <clears throat> look at um, Forged in Battle versus uh, Dangerous Covenants, and you know, there's all these extra. Um, Suggestions for a threat and despair in the back of Forge that uh, don't exist in Covenant. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, well, I mean, Frank- I, can actually sp- I can actually speak to that just a little bit since yeah. I worked on both. Please do. Ah. There you go. Um, so, let's see. Dangerous Covenants was one of the earliest ones, obviously. Um, Second, actually. And uh, you know, I think I think the approach that they take is is when there's an opportunity to um, detail out something that uh, they think uh, would be fun to play and and that fans that that, that the players are interested in, uh, they'll the, they take the definitely take the opportunities to do that in these different uh, uh, career books. Um, and I, I would think that. Um, yeah, they're, obviously, as the line has gone on and they've gotten a little bit more uh, uh, focused on kind of what works and what doesn't work and what they want to include and where, uh, I think that's why you're seeing uh, maybe some more detail in, in additional books. Plus, you know, it's uh, more reasons for people to, to pick up a book if, if, if there's some additional uh, rules in there that can apply to the game in general and not just that that specialization. Does that, I, does that cover it? Pretty much, because I'm not going to lie. I've seen people ask, uh, you know, hey, I, we don't really buy Force and Destiny, but we're wondering if the books have anything we need. And I always jump on them and say, you want um, Endless uh, endless Vigil. You want this because it has so much more than just Force Star That was also one of mine, so... <laughs> you know what? Uh, honestly, it might be easier for you to list uh, Sterling the books you haven't worked on. <laughs> yeah. With, with fantasy, with sorry, back with uh, with jeez, um, Saga Edition. Uh, it was easy for me to list those because I could basically say any book that had basically the title of campaign guide, except for the Clone Wars one, was one of mine. You know, I could. That was easier. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I've, I've worked on quite a few now, and um, I always have to stop and think and, and see if it's one of the ones, whenever they announce one, i got to go back and say, okay, is that one I worked on? Because sometimes they'll change the name, and uh, although there's been less of that, I think. But um, uh, I, I obviously a lot, obviously only, only the couple of the adventures, um, the adventures have been spread around pretty good amongst authors. <clears throat> no kidding. But, uh, I do want to say one additional thing, Chris. Yeah. And that is that you and Dave and then Phil, when, although technically Phil's always been there, so he helped. You guys spoiled me. Because I've actually gotten to the point now where I'll look for new people to play with. Because I, I still have my group, you know, Jim, you know, Larry. They're great guys, but we, we branched out trying other things. Um, but I still have that Star Wars Jones. So I'll look for a new group. <laughs> and if they say... If they say, you know, they've never listened, and they're not saying it ironically, they're, you know, the tagline way, I'll tell them to listen, and if they're like, ah, no, I don't have time for that, I'll be like, okay, well, it was nice meeting you, bye. I, I just can't play with people who, you know, haven't had your mindset, because so many people came from tactical systems that they had these hang-ups they've never gotten over because no one's ever tried to help them. And God, I just I can't imagine not playing a narrative game now. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Um so thank you for the kind words, Will. Uh it's greatly appreciated. And thank you for your continued support. Um, uh, I have more money than sense apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you, bro. We really do appreciate it. I love love you too, Chris. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Oh. <laughs> All right. So take care, Will. <laughs> so I managed to misspeak. Uh, Angel's Vigil isn't actually one of mine. Huh. <laughs> oh, see, even, I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking Savage Spirits. Okay, even you have a hard time keeping track. Um, so okay, like I said, so, I have to. Whenever there's an announcement, I have to go check. <laughs> um, okay, Sterling, I have I have another question for you. Um, before before we bid you adieu, um, we actually had a question come up from Dustin Kenyon. Um, of the Staggering Dragon, um, awesome game table. He had an interesting question that came up in chat, and I think you're another person who's uniquely answered, uh, uniquely suited to answer it, mostly because of your your work not only on RPGs, um, but also in the realm of car- of RPG cartography. And he wanted to know maps and minis. Do you use them for this system, and do you need to? Uh, I have used them. Uh, you don't have to. Um. You know, most of the time I don't use them, uh, but um, I have occasionally pulled out uh, Christopher West maps, maps and uh, used them and either pulled out the tokens from the beginner games or uh, sometimes I'll use the minis uh, from, from Wizards of the Coast since I have a few. A <laughs> um, <laughs> couple. Uh, just a couple, yeah. Um, and... Uh, It's interesting because uh, with with obviously obviously with Saga, it was a much more tactical game. The minis were uh, I used them a lot of the times with that game uh, at, at cons in particular. Um, do you find it enhances the experience, or do you? I mean, do you think you can you can go just fine without it? Well, I mean, I start off with West End, and we didn't. We the only minis I had there were the the metal ones, and it was hard to get those and paint those. So you know, I started off without them. Um, I seem to have an ad running in the background. Um, anyway, 
the uh, um, sorry, that really threw me off. Uh, <laughs> it happens. Uh, but no, um, so when I've used minis with this system, um, it's been more to show where um, where people are, or in the case of, uh, and my, what I mean that what I mean by that is sort of an, uh, of a, in a larger area. So like the one of Christopher West's maps, you can put four of them together, and make this gigantic space station. And so I ran an adventure uh, that basically used all those, all four of those at one time, uh, right on the table. Uh, and since I knew I was doing that, I was able to say, okay, um, you know, I know that there's going to be this event going on in this quadrant. This event's going to go on over here where the, where the space, where the station is damaged. Um, we'll have the hut, the, the face off between the two huts over here on this other side, the, the, the and the, the, the basis of the adventure was that um, it was the, the station was run by rebels, but it was sort of clandestinely run. And so they had Imperial, something had collided with the station, so they had Imperial um, basically repair crews <laughs> and inspectors coming in. In the meantime, they had this other area where they had what turned out to be a couple of rival huts having a face-off that they had to not only keep the huts from killing each other, but also keep the Imperials from figuring that out. And so there was all these things all around the different, all around the station, and having the minis out there uh, made it a made it a lot easier for everyone to keep track of exactly what was going on where. Uh, the downside to that in this case was that um, it really uh, actually, you, you know, it's it's tough when you split up the party, and this kind of almost made that worse, uh, just in the fact that mm. it made it so easy to do that. Uh, and so at certain points, it was like it was a little too divided up. Um, so I'd, I'd work on that on a, if I revise that in the future. But um, uh, so I, I find it useful at times. And, and some some players, um, especially if I'm running the beginner games, I'll use the tokens. And those are very helpful uh, when I'm running um, uh at uh, demos at conventions because it's just one less thing that brand new players have to worry about. They don't have to try and envision where they are. They're already trying to worry about enough, trying to figure out the game. Um, and, uh, that, that helps them, um, focus a little bit on, on, uh, where their characters are. And then they can think about you know, what actions they are going to take next. And yeah, this is good thoughts. I have similar experiences. Phil, I mean, what what is your experience on this, man? I mean, how do you regard maps and minis? Are they essential? Are they necessary? Do you prefer them? For me, they are because I'm a very visual person. Um, I I sometimes are, am not very successful with my descriptions of a scene. So if I can even just even just a, a big old whiteboard and I'm able to draw out, okay, you got this thing here, you got this object here, this building here, these pillars here, these consoles there. Um, Chris West's maps have been a godsend to me, and I own as many of the physical copies as I possibly can, and I own everything that he's got digitally. Um, he's, he's helped enhance most of my games. I have yet to run a session where I'm not using at least one Chris West map. Um, I've reused a lot of his maps for a lot of different things, and many times I have to say, okay, that's not actually a prison, that's not actually an armory, just let it go, guys. Um, but I, I like I like that visual representation because I like to be able to say, okay, set up these minis here. 
UK, you're about medium range away. That's okay. That's about short range, or that's about long or extreme or whatnot. And okay, you got these guys who are coming over here, and and they're medium range from you, but you're kind of moved up here, so now they're long range from you. Um, because I'm because I I, I love a good fight. I love a good fight because that's what a lot of Star Wars <laughs> is. Star Wars is a lot of good battles. It is because of that. I personally need to have that map there. I need to have it down so that I can kind of place things. I'm not, I'm absolutely not strict about, okay, six squares is like short range, seven squares is medium. I am absolutely not strict about that at all. I've, that was actually one of the last things I had to break of my D20 mindset was using the maps as a grid and as a, a measuring tool for, for combat. Uh, but man, once I broke that, once I broke that rule, it, it all really all fell into place. Um, so yeah, I right. need maps. Mm. I need maps and minis. Yeah, for range bands, it's really helpful. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, you can even eyeball things, and that's absolutely fine. What I enjoy most about maps, and I love using them, is the fact that I can actually use a map in one game and say, okay, from this end of the map to the other, it's long range, and then in a completely different game, I can say, oh yeah, from this end of the map to the middle of the map, it's extreme. I can I can change the size of the map willy nilly as is needed for the encounter, um, yeah. and that's become a huge benefit to me very frequently. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's a very good question. Okay, well, Sterling, um, obviously you've been answering questions, and we've been grateful to have you on, sir. But um, before we bid you adieu, do you have any questions for Phil and I? Any questions about? The podcast or us? I mean, we're normally the one who asks you questions, so uh, you may not have anything for us. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to cheat just a little bit. Are either of you going to be at Gen Con? I'll be. Um, it's up in the air, but unlikely. Unlikely. I'm taking a huge family vacation um, uh, the week of 4th of July, and that's pretty much going to sap my money. Um, but we're doing like a Clark Griswold type thing. We're going to do a, a road trip to the Grand Canyon. So... Oh wow, that's awesome! And we're we're literally going to stop and see the biggest ball of twine and crap like that. So I'm, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When I was young, we did a, a two week trip that looped up around to like Mount Rushmore to Yellowstone to oh, that's awesome. Colorado and back around. It was it was awesome. Um, no, the reason I asked about Gen Con was that I'm going to be um, I'm putting together a. Uh, panel seminar with um, a couple of others um, to, about the uh, 30 years of Star Wars role-playing. Oh, yeah. I, I'm actually going to be working for FFG running games, and I specifically left that time slot open so I could go see that. Awesome. Yeah, it's, a, it's already filled up, filled up, but I think the room's bigger than the number of, of spots that we have. So I think... Uh, <laughs> oh, I, whenever, Jesus, really? When, when it comes to when it comes to Gen Con, I always tell people show up anyway. That, you know, people who get tickets inevitably don't show up uh, for whatever reason. So always Crap. always try for something you really want to go to. I but, didn't know that was a ticketed event. I'll have to see what I can do. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're all all the seminars are, um, but uh, like I said, I expect there to be more space. So Sterling, for um, for our listeners who are but, attending, when is that seminar? What day and time? That is, it is uh, Saturday at, ooh, I'm going to forget the time, but it's it's le- it's uh, early evening, late afternoon. I think it's, I think it's like five. 
It's like five, yeah. They bu- they changed. I put it in a different time, and they bumped it. So I always have to think about it. But I guess I could look at my own website and look and find out. But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be me uh, along with Sam um, Stewart from Fantasy Flight Games and uh, Bill Slavisek, who a nice is basically responsible for you know a ton of the a ton of the early days at, at Weston Games, and of course was running. Wizards of the Coast when when they started the D20 system, um, and uh, I'm hoping I got a couple of other ideas. We'll see what happens. Uh, may have a couple, one or two other people, um, and so uh, hopefully people can can come or already have tickets. Um, but as as for uh, que- other questions for you guys, um, I guess with the with the podcast. Uh, going across two different systems. Um, what have you seen differently from the players or the people who on the forums? Has there been a, has, did the, did a lot of them switch over? Did, did, did some of them say, no, no, we're, we're just going to stick with, with, with saga. Uh, how did that switch over? How go for you guys? <laughs> um, I can speak to this first and Phil, I'd love for you to jump in as well. Um, so, when we made the switch, uh, roughly about half of our listeners, and keep in mind, when, when Watsy had said, okay, we're going to kill the game, our listenership took a serious dive. And I don't, I don't know, there's something about the industry, when, it, when a company says, okay, we're no longer going to support a game, people just kind of stop playing it. And that's kind of odd to me, um, but th- that is what it is. And so, in that, in that intervening, like, eight, nine month period between that announcement and when we did the switch, um, you know, we, we went from, from, you know, thousands of listeners to hundreds basically, um, in, in terms of our, 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 our regular subscribers and, and, and downloads. I mean, I mean, at the low point, the low point, I think we were around 700 listeners, whereas at the high point in saga edition, we were over, over 5,000, I think. Um, so it was interesting because of those listeners that remained, about half of them had said, you know, now I'm not interested in this. I want to stick with what I know. And, and they kind of d- did that thing. Um, the other half were basically, you know what, I'm going to try this out. Um, and they switched over. Uh, but what's been really interesting is in roughly the two years after uh, the switch, and and we saw our listenership slowly start to grow back up into the thousands, and then the two thousands, and then the three thousands and four. Um, again, you know, and really, really getting up there to the prior listenership we had. Um, it, it's one of those things that that we had people that said, "Nah, I'm gonna stick with D20," and then after a year, it was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll try this," and then they became hooked. But we've had some people that never came back. You know, they're they're D twenty years, and that's that's really what they're into. But we also in like and and Huli is a prime example of this. We had a whole slew of listeners that we brought in who had you know really never adopted D twenty to begin with. Um, that were West End Games junkies, and it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you know, this the system is clearly the spiritual successor of that, and so I'm going to get into it. Um, but it, I don't know. It's been it's been interesting. There's I can probably count on on. Maybe a hundred or less listeners that have stayed with us from really for the past nine and a half years. Um, 
you know, but it's it's been growing and moving, and and it's it's interesting. What I find more interesting about this system than I think Saga is that new players are continually discovering it at a rate that is not commensurate with what we saw with Saga Edition. With Saga Edition, it was like, look, this is the player base, and it was what it was. People didn't discover the system. Sterling every two weeks. I'll get a couple emails from people that are like, oh my God, I just discovered this system and it's blown my freaking mind. Um, yeah, uh, you know, <clears throat> sorry, at various conventions, I um, run demos and uh, Celebration uh, this, a few months ago uh, had new players, at, at least a couple new players, if not the entire table, new players at, um, at every session. Um, Worldcon, which was in Kansas City last year, uh, lots of new players. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can, I, I can relate to that. I mean, Phil, what's your experience been? Um, uh, of the folks that I have gamed with, uh, I have only had one person who expressed absolutely zero interest in the edge of the empire system. Um, they were, they are D20 diehards and they just, they enjoyed the tactical aspect of it. They enjoyed the 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 uh, the way the system worked out and the way characters advanced. They had no interest in the narrative system at all. Everyone else I have played with has happily converted over to to the system. Um, it's 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 been phenomenal. Yeah, I had one longtime player that would play at every um, convention uh, that I would would run out in here locally, and uh, and she yeah she played the first session with uh, when I ran uh, Edge um, at that con and yeah she was like this is not for me and that was the end of that for her but for the most part you know people people have uh, switched over yeah I mean it's, it's been my experience and it, it's very interesting and I think I think a lot of gamers are going through that sort of I don't know gaming soul searching I had and it's interesting Fiddy, Fiddy Fiddleback's in chat right now he says Psst, the secret to any RPG is that you can run it narratively, <laughs> and he's that is not true. He's not wrong. He's really not. And and you know what? What I find is that the lessons I've learned in FFG system, I'm starting to apply to everything I run now. Everything, and it it matters. But I will say this: FFG system makes it easier to do it. I agree with that too. Than than just about any other system I've run. So um, that's that's what I was talking about earlier, and with where it really comes out is the not just having success or failure, but having this other element of of uh, the advantage and threat. That since it's in the dice, it's in the roll. You think about it every time. I mean, you can do that anyway with any any RPG, but this system brings it to the forefront. Yeah, I, I have to fully agree. Good stuff. Well, uh, Sterling, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- dude, you have been an ardent supporter of us since we started, and I'm I'm so grateful to have your friendship um, and and your support of us. Thank you, man. I I can't. Yeah, there, I, there there are no words. Thanks. I, I forgot to mention. Yeah, I, I have. You know, I've listened to this podcast. Not every episode, but I've listened to this <laughs> podcast um, since you did the first one. Um, I heard your first episode before your second one came out. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
But uh, I, I stuck with it. it. You know, got better. And it was very interesting to, to hear at that time, too. The, the evolution of the show. So, yep. Very good. Well, Sterling, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Sterling, I'll see you in August. Yes. <laughs> see you at Gen Con. See you at Gen Con. All right. Um, so, uh, I want to bring a couple other, other people on um, in a bit. Um, sure. So, in the meantime, do we have any other questions from chat, Phil? Uh, yeah, we've got a couple that have been uh, stacking up. Uh, SwiftDraw asked a uh, generic question. Um, if you could add or change one thing about the FFG system, what would you do? And for me, that dovetails quite nicely into a question that Fiddleback asked not nine minutes earlier. Has anyone worked out a proper how to properly run spaceship combat? <laughs> um, so my answer to that question is I would change how, star, how starship combat works. And I've added a couple things on my own to, to make it a little more... A little less rocket tag. That's been my thing. Yeah, um, I, I really do have to agree with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really do. Um, for those listeners who haven't, I recommend listening to episode thirty-three, uh, "Hyperlane to the Danger Zone," um, where we actually bring Sam Stewart on to talk about starship combat. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things. Phil, you specifically brought up on that episode a lot of house rules and other items that you use to really get rid of the rocket tag aspect. Yeah, basically my starship parry rule. Yeah, and and honestly, that's the the one thing I would do is maybe rework some of the starship combat. That's really I think where where some of the biggest um, uh, the biggest difficulties do lie in this system. Uh, so, I mean, and it's interesting. It, it, like in my in my modules and stuff uh, that that I write or, or games I run, it's it's amazing. The ships, the PCs pilot have an inordinate amount of uh, of hull trauma. <laughs> yeah, because it's a freighter. Because <laughs> you know, but but even then, starships, I'll give them. It, it's like double what's recommended in the book because I want them to live. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want them to live. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a so, lot of sense. So there is there is that. Um there there is that. But yeah, yeah. Um so okay, I am trying to bring on right now uh, two new people to give us some discussions. Uh right the, on. the first is Donovan Morningfire, the second is Scott Alden. Um so Dono, are you on? I am here. Oh, he is here. Greetings <laughs> programs. Dude, how you doing, man? I am doing pretty damn good. So <laughs> it's good to hear. Coming, coming off a great three day weekend. Very productive. Excellent. That's the, the way to go. And, and GM Scott, Scott Alden, man, are you on? Not quite. Can't hear him. Still working on his sound, but that's okay. Um Okay, so so I really wanted to discuss and 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 Dono, I mean maybe you can chime in on this a bit. Um, I wanted to talk about system development and specifically the three lines of the game. I mean, obviously, Sterling mentioned earlier how it it, just, it, was, it really took him by surprise that they they did three lines and that they reserved the Jedi for last. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, man? Both you and Phil, and and do you guys have favorites? I mean, what are your thoughts on the decision to even separate this game into three separate lines? Well, uh, Phil, if you don't if you don't mind, I'll take it away. Okay. Um. At first, I was a little skeptical. I mean, I'll I'll be one of the first to admit that when they, you know, 
when the Fancy Flight announced, okay, we're doing the Star Wars RPG, I'm like, okay, because my prior experience with their RPGs hadn't been the greatest. So, but, you know, once I got my hands on the beta and got the game on the table, it's, I love this, and with the three lines, I'm thinking, okay, one of the constant complaints I remember hearing about, like, was Saga Edition when the first book came out, is they gave you tastes of different settings, of different game types, but not really a whole lot of information for any of those. But with doing the three lines, they can say, okay, what kind of experience do you want? Here's a book that focuses on that experience. You want smugglers, scoundrels, and never-do-wells? Here's your book. You want to play freedom fighters, you know, constantly fighting against the Empire? Here's your book. You want to get into the mystical aspects of the setting? Here's your book. You want to mash them all together? They work seamlessly. Have fun. Yeah. I mean, Phil, what about you? I initially hated it. I absolutely that, that was one of the reasons I wasn't a fan of the system. It's, yeah, it's, I, 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 from what you said earlier, Phil, I, mean, I was kind of sad. In is I was kind of upset that okay, I you know, I mean, I am big like you. I'm big on playing Force users, Jedi especially. I mean, they're my favorite character type of the setting. And it's like I gotta wait two years to play, you know, to play a Jedi. I whined like a goddamn Skywalker. <laughs> I have to wait two years, but that's so far away. <laughs> you can try to venture application next year. Uh, yeah, because next, yeah, next year we got Age of Rebellion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to go to Tachi Station to pick up some power converters. Uh, but no, but with them doing Force and Destiny last is I was, I was thinking about it, and it's like okay, you know, especially with the edge of the with the edge beta, playing around with that, and thinking, you know what? One recurring issue, and this is coming from a guy who has played a lot of Force users in pretty much every Star Wars RPG, including a a few different system hacks. Mm. The one problem that keeps cropping up is Force users. Is either it's right out the gate, like in Saga Edition, the classic, you know, skill focus, use the Force at first level Mm -hmm. or second level. Or D6, where once your Force users got to a certain skill rating, they could do all sorts of crazy shenanigans, is Force users grabbed the spotlight and held on to it. Unless you had a really good GM. Yeah. From my own experiences, FFG has, at least thus far, not fallen into that trap. I, I've played a number of games with you know various, various XP levels, you know, somewhere I'm the only Force user in the party, and I'm not outshining the other characters. In fact, actually, I'm in an Age of Rebellion game run by uh, D20 Radio's own Lynn Whitson, who is a, this is her first real experience really GMing, is this system. And we're some pretty beefy characters, and I'm playing a Shicho Knight with a, with a fairly tricked out lightsaber. I'm not the combat monster of the group. That honor belongs to uh, uh, Doctor Xerox, who has the who pretty much has a the can the cannon of doom. It's like okay, I hit you with one success. Um, there's obscene amounts of damage. Um, yeah, you don't get much of your soak, and I can shoot you from across 
from from across the room. So, yeah, I. I, okay, I'll, I'll. I have thoughts on the lines, but I'll I'll come to it. Um, Scott, are you on now? Still can't hear you, man. Still can't hear you. It's okay. Um, uh, he had to switch mics, uh, uh, so it is it 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 is what it is. Um, anyway, my my thoughts on the three line are three lines are. Um, and you guys have to forgive me. I'm I'm at this point really drunk. <laughs> I have, as long as you don't as long you don't pass out on us, it's all good. I have I have oh gamer nation con reference for the win. Hey, I did not pass out this year. I'm just gonna point yes, that out. No. <laughs> um I worked very hard not to pass out this year. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I have I have just poured the last I, I it's half a bottle of the Delmore. I've I've gotten it, half a bottle of scotch, I've gotten it to me. Um, look, my, my, my opinions on, on the three lines are, are something that's not even related to gaming or anything else. Look, <laughs> look, Wizards yeah. of the Coast made a decision to no longer pay the Star Wars license for a very good reason. And it's a business reason. You can't make money off it anymore. You've come to a point where you've released mm. so many books that you can't make money off of it anymore. Yeah. This is a subtle truth of gaming, and especially when it comes to a licensed IP, you've got to have a way to make money, and irrespective of anything else, and I understand it pisses gamers off and rubs them the wrong way, and they say, oh, I just want to buy books in this line, or why do I have to buy this book to get this mechanic? Because the system cannot continue without you doing that. Oh, yeah, Um, that's... I, I had no problem with it because it it I mean on a on a fiscal level it it and I'm speaking out of my ass at this point but but I would assume it has given FFG a you know instead of one avenue of book production it's given them three it's given them three avenues to continue to make money and keep the line going I have no problem with that whatsoever um, from a game mechanic standpoint I have to agree with the fact that. Um, you can get different flavors by focusing on a certain line. Um, mm. The other aspect is force use is incredibly hard to get right. And both of you sort of touched on the fact that in in the prior system, in Star Wars Saga Edition from Wizards of the Coast, the D20 system, I- I'll be quite frank, Jedi were either horribly underpowered or horribly overpowered, depending on how you min-max them, right? Yeah. Um, it's... <laughs> It's it, it's it's the simple truth of it, and the bottom line is, this was a new system with a new mechanic. They took three years to get it right, and the the splitting of the lines allowed them to have honestly three four three three years of honest to goodness real play testing and mechanical understanding in the real world of real games in order to create something that yeah. worked. And worked yeah. well, and I really have to give them kudos for that. So, so I, you know, I, I'm I'm upset by the. I was initially upset by the decision because, like the rest of you, it's like, oh, I want to play a Jedi now. But mm. looking back over the last, you know, four and a half years, I'm grateful they did it because because Amen. because F and D is my favorite line by far. Like mechanically, it's the cleanest version of the game. 
I think it's the best balanced. Um, and I think it was, I think it, I think it's a master course in RPG design. I'll be quite frank. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's where I, that's kind of where I live. Do you guys have a favorite line of the three? All uh, mine's Force and Destiny, hands down. Same, same here. It's the trifecta at For- Force and Destiny. It's, I mean, again, it just, it scratches that Force user itch. And like you said, it's, they spent those years getting it. I don't know about perfect, but about as damn close as you can get. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I've, I've, I'm convinced there's no, there's not really any such thing as a perfect RPG, a perfect RPG. But if, if I got if I got to name a candidate, Force and Destiny. Uh, it's... Well, as the inestimable Rodney Thompson once told us, there is no RPG that survives contact with the user base. No. <laughs> and as a self-professed tinker monkey, I fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've tried we're we're trying now. We're gonna give one more try. Scott, Scott Alden, are you on? God, I hope so. You are! We can hear you! It's brilliant! It only took two laptops, that's all right. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay, it's okay. So Scott, while you were rebooting and start restarting Skype, we were talking about the different lines of the game. What are your thoughts on the, the three lines? structure and do you have a favorite line within them for me um i got into this when force and destiny was in beta so i kind of had all three right at my fingertips when things started but i've always been drawn if it's a personal taste thing i'm drawn toward age of rebellion because that's kind of just where my heart lies i loved the skywalker story but boy i liked the fighting going on in the background quite a bit um but the Force and Destiny line is really solid, and and the extra text in those hundreds of pages they give us uh, is just chock full of goodness. And uh, I find myself reading that line and using that quite a bit. My characters, I've only got one character on my main campaign actually using a character from that line, and that's my son. Everyone else wanted to be a, a gun monkey, but uh, <laughs> I I do enjoy I do enjoy the Force and Destiny line quite a bit. Hey, there's one thing I did want to bring up. Um, yeah, you know, Force and Destiny might be my favorite, and it, it, it sounds like it's it's, a, it's almost a universal favorite, at least folks who are on here. Um, but Huli brought up in chat, obligation is by far the best mechanic, and I'm I'm absolutely going to throw my my support to that statement. The obligation mechanic was one of the reasons why I absolutely devoured the original beta rules for for Edge of the Empire. I thought the obligation mechanic was an exceptional. Uh, an exceptional tool to introduce to both motivate the PC and to give the GM some automatic resources for plot lines. Yeah, I, I really do have to agree. I mean, yeah. For, so for the two of you, for, for for so John Scott, I mean, like of of obligation, duty, and morality. What's your favorite? I oh, um, yeah, you go, go ahead, Scott. Oh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, it's obligation, hands down. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, you all saved me with it when I was the idiot who gave my PCs a million dollars. They got a good, uh, they got a good, I think it was 30 obligation from one of the sides they ripped off and another 30 from the other side they ripped off. So <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it became and will become a central part of the campaign after that decision. So you're right. I just rolled with the punches use the mechanic and uh, just let it happen. And uh, it's been fantastic. 
Yeah, they're, they're, it's it, oh god, it, I don't know what it is. It's like like duty is the inverse of obligation. It's like hey, you work toward this and you get a goal, right? Morality, yeah. it, morality is just the ever present struggle of the force. And hey, no matter what, everyone's morality is going to come into play. But obligation is this, and it, it's the sort of this inverse game economy mechanic, and it's so freaking brilliant. I, I like, I can't even. I God, I, <laughs> I blah blah. Okay, so John, John, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Okay, um. For me, it's, a, it's it's kind of a toss-up between obligation and morality. Morality, I like because it can provide a sort of concrete hook for ways to play your character. You know, what's your, you know, kind of, you know, as a, a kind of a, a twist on those, you know, quest, the first two of the questions three. You know, what's, when are you at your best? When are you at your worst? Mm-hmm. And I've got one of the guys in my group who... He admitted before I started running a Force and Destiny campaign, he like had no interest in playing Force users. He's like, yeah, whatever. And now it's like, you know, when we're alternating games with our our Skype group, he's you know, every K Bugsy. So so John, when you're running your Force and Destiny game, I I, I got to play Ordo again. That's <laughs> and it's one of the things he's mentioned to me is that he loves that with the you know the morality, the emotional strength, the weakness. It's these character hooks that really helps him get into his character. Now, with obligation, I love it as a GM because these are plot hooks that I can drop into a story, and it's like, okay, why? Okay, yeah, you got this obligation. What's what's the deal with this obligation? How did this how did this come about? And I can spin off that and say, okay, well, you've got this obligation. You know, okay, yeah, you've got this debt obligation to a hut. So, you know, fairly standard Star Wars RPG trope. But how did you get? into debt with the hut you know what did you do that you owe this hut money or okay you have a favor you know favor obligation to an isb agent i i can have fun with that yeah absolutely yeah and Um, and and not even and not even if the obligation comes up is this the case of okay players looking to reduce this obligation i can bring this into the game and it's like okay well here's an opportunity to Reduce your obligation. Okay, you know, okay, that ISB agent says, okay, you do this for me, and I won't bother you as much as I have in the past. You know, you know, drop a few points off that obligation. And they're like, okay, do I go with this or you know, <laughs> lower that obligation? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. So Fiddlebacks in chat, he says, he says, are you are are you a GM out of ideas for tomorrow night's game? Obligation, and then that, that's yep. that's what it comes down to. And uh, you know, Ebac the Cat says, you know, I, I love that players can use obligation to get gear, like use it as a resource. Mm-hmm. Just because you can, though, it doesn't mean you should. And yep. and this leads to an, to an interesting question that actually came from uh, uh, one of the other. Uh, gosh, I think we've already passed it in chat. But the question was, what does obligation look like when it's used correctly? <laughs> And and Scott, for you, bro, I, I think I think your crazy example, listeners may may remember from that question you posed a while back, which was, you know, God, my PCs have a million credits and wealth. What do I do? That is where obligation is used correctly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it also comes back to you know uh, what he's talking about with background, character background. 
Um, I'm with you. The questions three is generally all I need to run the game and get the table going. That's fine. But for my players that went ahead and wrote backgrounds, I wrote those into obligations. I turned them into game mechanics. And then that, then that way they don't become just fodder that doesn't matter that they wrote six months ago. Mm. It's in a folder somewhere that nobody cares about. Um, you bring obligations into it, or you could even do it with duty as well, but, but obligation, especially you can force those backgrounds into the forefront constantly as we play. And one of my players backgrounds is actually turned into a central side plot of our main campaign. Uh, and it's been fantastic. So yeah, it'll get you out of a crazy, it'll get you out of a crazy situation as well. But, uh, I've, I've used the player backgrounds to, to build them as well, even when they weren't thinking about that. I would just tell them, look, I gave you obligation based on what you wrote, and are you okay with that? And they loved it. They were all okay. But those are the ways I, I use them, at, at least at least for me. Dude, I, I, I mean, Phil, any good obligation stories from you? Oof. Um, <laughs> good obligation stories. Um, I'm sure that I have. But I'm I'm having a hard time remembering them. I'm honestly a little more focused on the obligation that I've got coming up in my upcoming game that's launching shortly, Renegades, where half the part half the party is starting as Imperial pilots, and the other half of the party is starting as pirate pilots, and sort of the whole theme behind the game is the players know that at some point. They're going to leave whatever faction they're in and form the core of a new rebel of a new rebel fighter group. Uh, but the ultimate theme of the game is the story is about a group of free-thinking beings who are given one order too many, asked to sell one too many pieces of their soul, be they soldier or outlaw. The characters involved in Renegades find themselves at a crossroads and must decide if or when conscience and compassion wins out over duty and desperation. Mm. Every PC is starting with an obligation that is a reason to stay with the group that they're in. Either they're um, serving off a, a, uh, a sentence, that they, they were charged with something, and they're serving off a sentence, and if they leave the Empire, that sentence immediately turns into a criminal obligation and a bounty. Or they've got a family member who is a part of the organization that if they leave, they don't know what's going to happen to them. Maybe they become an enemy because the other person betrayed them, maybe they become someone that they need to eventually rescue. Um, a variety of, of reasons why they're staying in. And also the simple fact of, if they stay in their respective groups for long enough, they might be able to do some good when they finally defect. Like, they might be able to bring some extra information with them, or extra resources with them, or, or whatnot. However, by staying with the organization... They're going to have to do, but by staying with the Empire or staying with the pirates, they're going to have to do more and more morally bankrupt things. Right. So I'm going to have a ton of fun with the obligations that that these characters have. Ebac nice. the cat is in chat. He says, "I remember I had a guy who the group owed a debt to. He kept on using that as leverage on them, and in the end, he asked for the jewel of Yavin." And they, were, and they were happy to oblige, along with some detonite hidden in the briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and Jatro Bitro, um, with the awesome FP reference, I'm, 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 I'm totally digging on, says he, he makes an interesting point. Obligation focuses the camera 
lens on the players, uh, you know, making them the star. And I, I think that's one of the things I really enjoy most about obligation. But honestly, I think it applies to duty and morality as well, is that we have these inbuilt mechanics to bring players to the forefront. And, you know, we have a session where one or two players really are in the limelight, whether they want to be or not. <laughs> And that's, well, that's, that's kind unusual. Of, it's kind of, you know, with duty, it's like, yeah, I'm in the limelight. Awesome. Obligation. I'm in the limelight? Oh, crap. crap. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Yeah. All right. So this is good stuff. So, okay. So, Scott, we're going to start with you. Do you have any questions for Phil and I regarding the podcast or the game or anything else like that? Yeah, I got a, I got a fun one. First, I, I wanted to say thanks to you, uh Phil, Dave, uh, Gamer Nation, Wayne, Chris, Ben, Linda, for letting me become a staff writer this year for D20. It has been amazing. It's been awesome. I've never gotten to tell you guys thanks personally, so this is my chance. So sorry and uh, and thank you. Well, you write you write some really good shit, man. So keep <laughs> keep keep at it, and we'll be we'll be hunky dory. I'm yeah. I'm 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 addicted to your GM Awakens column. So I'm I uh, yeah. It, it's it's all it's all good in the hood, bro. Well, good. I pull those out of my rear some days. No, my question is going to be a fun one. So my favorite moment on the table is despair. I love despair night. I love it. <laughs> so give me both of your best despair stories. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, do you want to go first? Or you want me to take it? Oh, I'll talk about mine first because it, it was a role that was a failure with four advantage, a triumph, and a despair. Oh, um, this was actually the second time I ever ran the game, uh, and it was it's 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 the role that sold me on the system. Uh, it's the it's the and you're all gonna make fun of me for calling it this, but it's the second part of the Crate of Kratz adventure that that Sterling Road, and they're on the 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 the, the tech the the black market tech shop being run by the hut who's focused on the encounter right is is taking place on like the middle of this lake. And one of his lieutenants is trying to basically sell his boss out to these bounty hunters. And the hut is like riding around in this hover chair. And his lieutenant has a remote control that, um, the lieutenant has a remote control and he's basically driving the hut towards the bounty hunters who want to capture him. And one of the PCs comes over and says, screw that. I'm going to kill, I'm going to run over and kill this guy. So he, he runs up to him and takes a shot at him and he misses. So what he says is, okay, I want to disarm the remote control. It's like, okay, you, you, Rolled enough advantage, you disarm the remote control. Triumph. I want to have the remote control fall into a box of remote controls. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure enough, the, the, he goes sailing out of his hand, lands in a box full of remote controls. It falls over, so now there's all these remote controls all over the ground. Despair. The remote control was stuck on go, so the hut is now aiming towards the end of the uh, the end of the dock, and it was about to go out over the water. The hut can't swim. <laughs> the hut's gonna freak. He's gonna fall off this thing. So the PCs are like, "Oh God!" So they're running after this hover sled with a hut on it, who's screaming, going, "I can't swim!" <laughs> Meanwhile, behind him is Lieutenant picking up remotes, going, "Click, click, click, nope, toss over the shoulder, click, 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 nope, toss it over the shoulder, nope, toss it over the shoulder." I love, love the system, and I, that's why I love despairs. 
because <laughs> of rules like that. <laughs> I would say anyone who anyone who didn't fall in love with the system after an experience like that, you have no soul. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so for me, um, before the core rulebook for Edge of the Empire had even dropped, when it was still in the beta phase, I was at ReaperCon, and I was running a game for some OG players and friends um, that included um, uh, Darren West, Stephanie Hover, um, a few others. And I actually worked with them to create... Um, uh, to create a, uh, uh, a, uh, a custom game and a custom scenario where they took their Saga Edition characters they'd run and we converted them into Edge of the Empire. And one of those characters was a tech monkey. And that tech monkey was a master slicer. And there was a point where that master slicer was in a... Uh, they were on Tatooine. And it was in sort of a, an industrialized area of Tatooine, one of the larger cities. And she was attempting to to sort of suss out a competing slicer uh, that was uh, working in the system against her. And the bottom line is she wanted to roll a computer's check to see if she could identify him and who he is and where he was. And she succeeded with a triumph and two despairs. <laughs> um, double, double. Those, are my fa- those are my favorite roles. It's like, okay, I have a triumph and a despair. Have fun. so so that's what it came down to um and uh basically um what ended up happening what and how i ended up adjudicating it was that okay she got the exact location of the slicer he was about uh you know on you know one major city away he was on the planet on tatooine and she located the exact cantina he was located in with the triumph and knew exactly where he was but with the double despair, it was okay. He realizes he's been had. He realizes he's been caught. And at the same time, I, I'm describing this to the players. Um, he's not quite happy about it. So I, I described it to the players that they're looking out of, of the window of this cantina, you know, overlooking the, the industrial sprawl of this small area of Tatooine. And they see this area of, of sort of gas mains, gas pipes that are spreading out across, you know, the wastes. And in the distance, they can see this explosion. And this explosion is rising and increasing and moving along this gas main as this pipe is steadily exploding and moving towards the city. And basically, this opposing hacker had basically um, sliced into, you know, the local, you know, uh, uh, net and basically overloaded the gas main and it's causing this massive explosion that is racing towards the city they're in. Um, And... And it was one of those things where she got the information she needed, but she had to get out of the cantina and the city immediately uh, before all these gas mains exploded. Um, and that was the coolest despair story I'd ever had because it turned into a whole encounter where they're racing and trying to get out of the city in time uh, before the whole place erupts. Um, and it was it was pretty awesome. So that's the coolest that's story awesome. I can probably provide. But so yeah. That's awesome. My son is the uh, lightsaber armorer of the group. Nobody else will do that. Everyone else is a gun monkey. So our despairs are generally him getting shot in an engaged <laughs> engagement. Like he's been shot by everyone in the party, I think, at least once. And that's, <laughs> that's generally what happens. They always they always question it. Well, should I? And well, it's a one in twelve chance, technically. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll give it a shot. No, they always end up shooting him. So um quick question if you don't mind. Yeah. That's what this case is. I know, I and mean, this is, I guess it's kind of 
play back to an earlier question of like, what's one of the things in the rules you would change? As I know, the rules say it's like okay, if you like if you shoot into a combat where there's an ally, you roll a despair, you automatically hit that person. Do you play it that way, or do you say okay, if you succeed, you know, you hit your target and the despair does something else, or you just say oh well, you roll the despair shooting in a melee, your armor, the armorer gets shot. Uh, so. I played it that way 90% of the times because my son is an armorer. He's got a seven soak. He can take it. And it's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I have had narrative occasions where it, may, it meant more and, and made more sense to do something else in the moment. And I've deviated from it. Sure. Okay. No, I, was, I was just curious. Was my, like, it... my house rule is I actually I actually do the opposite of what the rules suggest. I, I don't count despair as hitting your ally unless the attack is actually successful. But, that makes sense. But that's that that that's me. That's that's one of my house rules I run. Where if the attack hits, but you also roll a despair, yeah, yeah, dude, what's your damage? Yeah, you hit the ally. <laughs> I don't. I don't think yeah, that's, that's actually, a house rule. I, I think that's the. Actual yeah, that's rule. actually how that's how it works. Is if you roll if you roll a despair, regardless of success or failure, you hit your ally. See, my on, own take. My on own take failure, is I don't do it. On failure, I don't do it. Yeah, okay. Same. I would say I, I'm the I'm the opposite. It's on the failure, okay, you shot your alley, you weren't able to hit your mark. But hmm. I, my players never miss. Like we've played weekly now for almost a calendar year. They are at five hundred. Yeah. They're at five hundred XP. They're rolling five yellows. They do not miss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would say, oh, okay, your group has better dice luck than my, than than some of my players because I've had players like, oh, I'm rolling I'm rolling four yellows against two purple. I should ace this easy. Yeah. <laughs> I fail with an advantage. That's how it is. That's how it is. Yeah, that's uh, That's one of the things I love about the system is like every time you pick up the dice, you don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) Okay, Phil, I know it's late where you are. I know you've got to drop off soon. Um, If you wouldn't mind, can you stick around for just a few more minutes? Because I want John to be able to ask any question he has of the two of us. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um. Well, I said it's actually to play off uh, Scott's question. I think I already know Phil's answer for this one. I was like, "What's your favorite moment where a triumph came up?" Yeah, I already answered that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's easy. Um, my favorite moment for a triumph. Oh man. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think Dave already answered this question for me when I was first learning to play this system. The first game I'd ever run after digesting all the material and everything else and setting up my own game and running it. There is a a rival that's on a catwalk that's sniping at the PCs. And Dave shoots at him and happens to roll a triumph. And I think this is my favorite because this is the one that cemented the system for me in terms of how awesome it was. Was Dave said, well, for the triumph, can I... Can I can I cause irreparable damage to the catwalk? Can I cause it to fall? Can I cause him to fall off the catwalk? And I was like, yeah, totally you can. Um, and and it brought the dude down from the catwalk into melee level. And maybe because it was the situation, maybe it, be, it was because of the, you know, just that early part of the game and just learning it for the very first time. But that remains for me the indelible example of what you can do with Triumph. It's like he he, he hit the guy. He dealt damage, but at the same time, he rolled this triumph. And instead of critting, instead of doing something simple like that, he was like, yeah, man, 
I want that catwalk. I, I, I want to hit the catwalk as well. And I was like, yeah, totally. And the dude fell and brought him down into melee range. And it was, um, yeah, I think that remains my favorite explanatory moment of how to use a triumph in the system. So, yeah, it sticks with me. It sticks with me. That's, I, I think the best description I, description I heard for, you know, triumphs and, you know, the triumphs and despairs is the triumph is your license to do something that, you know, something awesome that you would see in a summer blockbuster movie. The despair is this is what, this is the point. This is the point in the, in the, in the summer blockbuster where things really blow up in the hero's face, maybe literally. (laughs) It's, it's, it's your license for cinematic awesomeness, whether it helps you out or hinders you. This is very true. This is very true. So, you know, and then there's triumphant despair, which is always, always the, uh, the, (laughs) the crazy, um, the, 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 the absolute crazy in terms of what you can do. Yep. Uh, or so, I, I think, yeah. I think as a, one, uh, one of my local buddies put it, it's the triumph despair result. Jackie Chan fight scene. It's going to be <laughs> awesome, but there's going to be some slapstick involved. A lot of slapstick. Yes. And for those listeners listening, you know, go back episode 10. It was actually, we actually had GM Phil come on as a co-host um, for episode 10, uh, which was actually called triumphant despair, where we actually talked about sort of unleashing the power of the narrative dice results. Um, very, very interesting episode. So good episode. It's very, very good. So excellent. Well, listen, John, Scott, thank you guys for coming on. Um, you guys have always been, you know, you know, John, you've been a part of D20 radio since forever. Okay. (laughs) So, um, always appreciate your support, bro. But, but, uh, thank you, man. Thank you. And Scott, yeah, Scott, thank you for taking on such an amazing role you have really in the past year. Um, and becoming such a key member of our community. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you for you know the, the work you guys have done. And unfortunately, I won't make it to Gen Con, but I will see you guys for Gamer Nation Con next year. Damn right you will. <laughs> As will I. Damn right you will. <laughs> at, at some point, at some point, I gotta get you, I gotta get you, Phil, and, and Dave into one of my games. So that's. But you know, I would love at some it. point. I would love it. Yeah, I'll be yeah, bringing we'll my son and I down. Yep. Oh, we'll that's, that's awesome. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Yep. Have a good night. All right, Phil. I know you've got a jet, bro. Um, I do. Because it's, it's late. We are. Okay. I want to say something personal to you. Okay. And I, I, I didn't know if I was going to get a chance to do this in the episode, but, but I, I will. Um, and keep in mind, I'm very drunk. So I'm also very emotional because I get emotional when I'm drunk. <laughs> Look, Dave took a hiatus a few years ago, and I find myself needing a temporary co-host. And because of your incredible work that you've done so far, and in terms of Fragments of the Rim and everything else, I was like, man, I should fucking ask Phil to come on. So I did, and you did. And it, it sort of revitalized the show, and it, it brought in a whole new perspective and a new way of doing it. And we did some amazing episodes together, you and I. And then when Dave's hiatus was done, after he got done with that insane summer of business travel he had, he was mm-hmm. back and he was ready, but neither one of us could imagine, because he'd listened to all the episodes, doing the show without you. And at this point, man, it's like, I, I, I am so grateful to know you and, and to, to have you as a part of this and, and to be my friend, bro, I, I'm like, 
I love you, man. And I, I, I can't even imagine doing this without you. Uh, dude, I, I was, I was humbled when, when you, when we first met basically on the Watsi forums, because I posted up some alternate rules for dark side temptations for saga. I'm like, dude, you, are you all right? If we could post this on our show, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And then just following you guys through saga, taking over for fragments of the rim and contributing that. Um, and then coming on and being a, uh, being a co-host with you on, on full-time co-host on the show. You are my con friend, bro, man. You are my con brother. You are, you are my family in Texas, you and Dave and everyone down there, man. Um, thanks for bringing me on the show. Cause it, it, it absolutely changed my outlook and changed my life. Well, the show wouldn't be without you. That's just a simple fact, bro. So I love you. And here's to another hundred episodes. To another hundred episodes, Chief. Amen, Let's brother. Them out. <laughs> All right. Looks like you brought on, uh, uh, you brought Huli back, and you also brought on someone else. Uh, I'm going to take this moment. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> well, I see, I, I see Chase, and you know, and and yeah. You know. So, uh, Huli, Chase, take it away, Gamer Nation. Have a good night, and uh, we'll see you in episode 101. Good night, Phil. Good night. <laughs> All right. So, Huli, welcome back. Hello. Hello. Um, and, dude, Chase, what's up, man? Hey. Good to be here. What's up, Ian? How you doing? Good, buddy. Good. You guys will have to excuse me because I'm about four sheets to the wind at this point. Um, with, that's okay. with half we'll a bottle, for you. half a bottle of scotch in my system, but this this is this is very good. This is very good. So episode one hundred, obviously we're 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 getting crazy. We're talking about retrospectives. We're talking about everything else. Um, and you know, Chase and and Huli, I, I brought you back on specifically because of your relationship with Chase, and you guys have obviously have a very good relationship. Um, yep. um in terms of talking about this. And, you know, I kind of want to wrap up this episode by talking about and getting from the chat as well, you know, some of the best moments you guys have had in this game um, and, and with this show as well. So, I mean, what are some of those key things that you guys have, have, have honed in on that, that have sold you on this system and that will forever make you, you know, remember back as positive moments that, you know, are meaningful to you from a gaming standpoint? You Chase, want me to go first? You. Okay. Yeah, go. Go. Cool. All right. Well, um, first off, I have to say, when I first started with this system, I got the uh, the play test of Edge of the Empire, and I had it sitting there, and I was all excited, uh, but I was a little nervous going from the D20. I didn't understand it. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't – it was just – it was so out there. And uh, I got turned on to the Order 66 podcast whenever the, the actual – book hit and you guys explained it and i just went nuts with that um i remember i think it was fiddleback was doing the uh skill, skill monkey. monkey yeah yeah that that changed my life see so, see and, right and fitty fitty is in chat right now and oh, well thank you so fitty you and fitty you have to understand like your work on skill monkey was so instrumental to the order 66 podcast and continues to be one of the most lauded segments that we've ever had because it was freaking brilliant yes. um, in, in terms of the work you did. So, so Fiddy, bless you, man. Bless you. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I took that and I remember I started with the Edge of the Empires, uh, the, the Under the Black Sun. I think it was like the first thing they came out with. Yeah. And I loved that. That was my first thing I introduced my uh, my group to uh, back when I was in Kansas. And they were all just in awe of the system. I mean, we ended up having the uh, the Nikto at the end. Um, there was a despair that went off. He messed up his jetpack. Um Somebody threw a thermal detonator. It didn't go off. Uh, it was just all kinds of crazy every time. And I ended up using, um, I think you guys recommended RPG ambiance at the time. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I was using that. And it was great. My players all loved it. And uh, I've used that kind of stuff ever since. So that's really built things up. Um, you guys, your tools that you keep coming out with, you know, the list, that kind of stuff has improved all of my games. And uh, really, what I have to say is the, the Order 66 podcast, the reason I... Uh, I like you guys uh, even more is because the relationships that I built. So I was in order 66 podcast. I uh, got introduced to Huli. I got pulled into uh, a, a special Facebook group and being <laughs> in that group, uh, I ended up uh, meeting my girlfriend now who's in Australia. And then now she plays in Huli's group. And I even got to do so uh, whenever I was out visiting her. So like, <laughs> Order 66 has brought us all together. <laughs> yeah. It's almost incestuous, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting that it's it's such a small world. And, I mean, to, to go from not being involved for myself um, at all and just going, oh, what's this all about, to now being part of the community, being involved in, in the podcast as, as I have been, that's – that's been the the high point for me, I think. Um, and I think it was Chris from Sydney was saying that I was getting one in every three. I'm yet to work it out, but I think I'm up to 50% of the episodes that I get mentioned. So I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> yes. The other thing is, is uh, it helps you to keep from going crazy. Um, whenever I go out there, like I'm in the Navy. So whenever I go underway, I'll load up some podcasts and I'll go out there and it's something I can listen to and, and, uh, you know, pull my mind away from, you know, endless duty and everything else that I've got going on. Uh, it helps bring me back into that and keep my imagination going. So that's, it's a wonderful way to distract myself. Okay. So out of, curi- off time. Out of curiosity, and if you can talk about it, I mean, are you, mm-hmm. are, what, 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 what kind of ship are you on? Are you? Oh, yeah. I'm on an aircraft carrier. I'm okay. on Theodore Roosevelt, which is the same one that, uh, uh, Keith Kappel used to be on. Very nice. Left. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, in fact, um, his group, he was uh, an IS, and usually those are the guys that I hang out with. But whenever we go on deployments, we play underway. Like, that's one of the things that we do. So, your, uh, your service members out there, uh, that's what we do for fun. Dude, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoy it. So, okay, favorite gaming experiences in this system, boys? Ian, you want to take Where this one first? Start. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, look, I think that probably the the most fun that I've ever had at the gaming table um, was there was a, an incident where the PCs, and there was a big story leading up to it, which I won't go into, but effectively they were trying to set up a deal so that they were going to be tricking the main hut of the campaign. 
um, so they'd um, they'd organised a big meeting and and whatever else to to sort of get to the final stages of tricking this hut so that they could save all these people that they were told to go and kill. Um, and the it was the first example I think that showed me that this system is it sold me completely. This was a little way down the track. Um, but what happened is that all of the PCs had their moment to shine, even though there was only one player who was actually going to be doing the talking. Uh, we had the the tech character who didn't really know what to do. She basically said that she was going to create some sort of like a PowerPoint presentation of, of how this whole thing was going to be fantastic for the hut um and uh you know <laughs> which i thought was really quite you know different and ingenious um uh, and just each of the pcs had their moment to shine prior to this one single dice roll and they'd they'd assemble this massive dice pool and then obviously the hut with its um uh, you know with its talents and its abilities it had massive amounts of reds and the player rolled, um, we've got little dice trays that I've made up, and uh, they they rolled. And I, for the first time ever, I've, I've seen everybody get up off their seats and look into the dice tray to, to help calculate this result. And it ended up being one success only. No advantage, <laughs> no triumphs, nothing. It was one success, and everybody at the table just erupted um with you know cheering and whatever else and that sort of that solidarity of of the gaming group just sold it for me uh and i've never looked back so that's probably the 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 highlight that i've ever had i mean i've got countless highlights with my current group which includes um uh chase's girlfriend um caitlin hi caitlin if you're listening um and uh you know dragon squadron's just gone from strength to strength and i just love the system and I'm like, i've got to the stage now where i just sit back half the time and watch my players just interact with each other that's um that's probably what i love about the system so much <laughs> chase do you have any favorite moments i do uh so there's two of them that really stick out in my head. The first one is just part of the the game. So in the Edge of the Empire Game Master Kit, uh, there's the... Uh, let's see, what's it called? Uh, debts to Pay. So in Debts to Pay, I love bringing the atmosphere. It's very horror-ish. And uh, going through that mine and having, you know, finding out people that are dead and everything that's going on. And I remember them, you know... Uh, spoilers, by the way. Uh, I remember the the group going through there, and then they they find the droids, and they're talking to the droids, and the droids are all freaking out, you know, because uh, these evil pirates have showed up and and murdered everyone. And then everybody gets down in there, and there's this big standoff, and then they realize that they're shooting the the miners that are remaining, and then they find out that it's the droids that were the bad guys, and the realization going across all of the players' faces, and them getting so mad. <laughs> That they didn't take them out before. I love that moment. I've played it over and over again. It's my first thing that I like playing with the with new groups. And then uh, another one that was a realization like that. So uh, my my group was on a space station, and one of them was really good at tech, and they were begging to get a kyber crystal. And so one of them was like, "Could we use the ship's uh, the station sensors to try and find a kyber crystal? Uh, maybe like." set it up so that it could detect something like that. And I'm like, the check would be really, really difficult, but I'm, I'm not the kind of GM to say no. 
So I let them set up for it, and they rolled it. And sure enough, there was a, a triumph, a success, and a despair. And that that was perfect for me. So uh, <laughs> they end up finding it in a curiosity shop. That, that's where it detected it. So they go in there, and they're looking around, trying to find where this would be. And uh, the the leader of the group, in quotations, he's the one you know, desperately looking for a lightsaber crystal. And he turns the corner, and he sees this guy standing there. And he's looking at a staff. And he's scratching his hand, and he's wearing these dark robes, and he's got a lightsaber hanging at his belt. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, that was my first time ever using an Inquisitor, and they all just freaked out. Now, I don't know what was going through my player's mind, but he decided that it would be a good idea to just throw a thermal detonator at the guy. Um, just not provoked or anything, but it caused this big fight that was really beautiful. Uh, and let me use very narratively the the harm ability as uh, the uh, the Inquisitor turned and then started kind of dementoring, sucking his soul out of his body kind of a thing to try and heal himself back from all the singeing. And everybody was just freaking out, trying to figure out what to do to just get out of there. And that was a, a beautiful <laughs> moment. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes what you think you want, you don't. Dude. <laughs> My favorite moment to date in this system is probably, interestingly, um, in this system, running... Are you guys familiar with my forgotten modules? The, yep. the that, th was, that was actually the yeah. first adventure that I ever ran. Really? Really. Because I felt that it was, uh, to be honest, um, it meant that the PCs who never played the system before didn't know like their their characters didn't know what was going on either so it fit in quite well so kudos to you chris because oh, that was yeah it was great that that's good to hood I, that's good to hear I, I still i god i'm drunk um <laughs> yeah, did, blah, 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 blah. um <laughs> the, <laughs> I, I i like i don't know man I still consider that to be like my magnum opus, right? Um, <laughs> like I had the most fun writing that and I had the most fun running it. Um, and I think it was Gamer Nation Con 2 that I actually, uh, Gamer Nation Con 2, Electric Boogaloo, that I actually um, was foolhardy enough to say, okay, I'm going to schedule a 12 hour event. Oh, God. Wow, <laughs> where where we're gonna run through every we're, we're we're like six players run through the entire series, um, and we did, um, and and God bless those players they were they were made of sterner stuff than me, uh, <laughs> um, but it was it was really interesting to see it it gone through and and honestly you know that that level of of interaction that level of um, emotion, and when you, you know, it's so hard with a con game, and keep in, keep in mind, guys, most of my games now are one-shots or con games, you know? Mm -hmm. Th that's yep. the majority of play I get out of the system now. Uh, you know, whereas, you know, Phil is our hardcore GM who runs through regular games frequently, you know, and long-running campaigns. Because of D20 Radio, the majority of the play I get, you know, not all, but the majority of the play I get is, is one-shots. And so mm. the the ability to to have uh, a scenario where six people can completely get into those characters' minds, um, and in that unique scenario where you have amnesia and you're trying to figure out what the f is going on, 
Um, I don't know. It, it continues to be probably one of my most enjoyable moments in the game. Mm. Um, to to this point, um, ironically, my other most enjoyable moments are the moments where I failed horribly as a GM. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you've learned from it. Um, well, well, in, in the early days, quite frankly, um, where I was still mm. clinging to that D twenty mindset, um, mm. and that that heavy tactical mentality. Um, yeah. you know, being able to move beyond that and sort of realizing that you're growing as a GM, growing as a player, um, mm. those continue to be my my best and most favorite moments of the game. Mm. So, um, okay, so so Ian Chase and and Ian, since you've been on already, Chase, I'll start with you. Do you okay. have any questions that any any lingering concerns or or questions or quandaries that you've got? Uh, for me regarding the podcast or regarding the game or anything else of that nature? Well, for podcast wise, like, I mean, this is episode 100. Are, are you planning on keeping this going? Do you have a, a time limit? Is there, um, you know, are you going to continue with the podcast for the length of this or whatever comes next? What, what's your plans? It's a good question. Um, and it relates a lot back to some of the earlier conversation we had when we talked at the very beginning of this episode about you know huh. converting from Saga Edition to D20. But no, no, we have no plans to end. Um, you know, we'll continue as long as this system does and probably beyond that. Um, if, if you know, FFG decides to uh, stop you know, the license and, and somebody else snaps it up, we'll, you know, we've talked about this. We'll, we'll kind of do the same thing we've done. We will see what they produce. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 see if it's worthwhile. Um, and if it is, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll switch over. But honestly, I mean, that's probably going to be several years away um, if it happens at all. But until then, we have a wealth of content to continue to 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 discuss and uncover. Um, mm. I mean, just in terms of book content itself, I mean, we could probably we could probably do Will isn't that special for another forty or fifty episodes. <laughs> um yeah uh but 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 even then beyond that um you no know, no we don't really see any major end in sight uh you know not that i can not that Good. i can say no and, and i'm drunk so you know i'm honest <laughs> okay so <laughs> for game wise what what do you personally use uh house rule wise i mean i've heard a little bit on here about what you do with the despairs and uh you know the the hits first to make that happen but what do you personally run in your games that are house rules. Um, two things. Um, the other, uh, aside from that, um, the other big one is um, I I treat starship combat a little differently. I keep it less of a rocket tag scenario. <laughs> um, I usually, especially when it comes to snub fighters, I'll usually provide much higher um, uh, hull trauma thresholds than what the the stat blocks recommend, um, just because I want my players to survive. Oh yeah. Um, so there's that. The other big one for me is that I, I literally throw the suggested advantage and triumph and despair and threat results out the window. Um, mm. I, I'm at the point now after, you know, five years of GMing this that I don't even reference them anymore. Um, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've got, a, I've got a general idea of, of, of what equates to what and, I, I really go towards a more narrative aspect. And I'm at the point now, especially in a, in a one-shot or a con game, if somebody starts looking at that table, I'll basically be like, no, no, just just close your book. Throw it away. Just tell me what you want to do. 
and then we'll find a way to represent that mechanically. And even if it's like one advantage, it's like, okay, well, I want to do this. Okay, great. That's going to equate to a setback, to, to a setback die or a boost die. Um, those are my biggest things I think I do outside of, outside of that, uh, the, the aforementioned house rule of, of despair on a firing into engaged melee check. Awesome. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, Huli, I know that you're, you're camping. You've got like what? 900 experience points into dragons. Yeah, they're, right now? They're, like, they're like five points away from a thousand earned XP. So, and it's still, there's still stuff that can challenge them. I mean, it's, it's what Phil said before. You can still put four stormtroopers up against them. Um, and they can still lose quite substantially. Uh, you know, I think wounds in this system are certainly the, uh, they're the thing which balances out every, um, every encounter, really. I mean, I'm sure I've got PCs that have got 20 plus wounds, but at the end of the day, they're, um, uh, a 12 damage from just a normal blaster rifle can do some serious damage to them and stun still works great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, sure they might have lots of wounds, but they've just forgotten about, you know, getting that extra point of grit. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I don't have a problem with high level play. Um, I think it becomes more interesting when you start at looking, well, what have the PCs not done as far as, uh, just the adventure content goes rather than what challenges can I put up against them? Um, and I've certainly, you know, I'm a big believer in just making up something on the fly and just running with it. And I, I certainly think that's the case with a certain um, smuggler who um, suddenly realised that she's actually a droid. But anyway, that's, <laughs> another, that's a side note altogether. <laughs> yes. Well, I found myself using um, the squadron rules a lot. I, I, that's yes. the capital came up with that. And so mm. I use the, the squad and squadron a lot to keep my NPCs from just you know dying really quickly if I use a, mm. a regular stat block. You know, look out, sir, kind of a thing. Yeah. Exactly. And that works really well when you're doing a, a fighter squadron like Dragon Squadron are, uh, mm -hmm. that um, the squadron rules plus Phil's um, uh, his jinking rules, uh, which is basically, you know, Starship Parry, uh, yeah. it works remarkably well and can make that combat last that little bit longer so that the PCs, you know, have something else to do. Um, they know they've got to manage their... Uh, their strain because they're going to have to spend three points of strain to to do this maneuver to get out of being damaged. And when you're running a fighter squadron campaign, and that's that's the heart of of the story, you've got to make it last longer than all of about two seconds when you're putting fighters up against multiple tie fighters. So yes. yeah. Well, and uh, Chris, so with with all the stuff that's already come out we know that there's very little left whenever it comes to career books and whatnot is there anything that you would like to see is there something that you're hoping that ffg comes out with rules wise uh, that that you're hoping to go into the system i mean we've got uh creation rules and everything else that's come out for practically everything so we don't we don't really have to worry about that but is there anything that you feel like we're missing um that you're hoping that they do officially Okay, this question would have been very different a few years ago before they reset canon. Uh, 
Um, uh, you know, ideally, I would have loved to have seen source books focused on different eras, especially in you know legacy things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that canon's been reset, truthfully, what I would love to see more than anything else are continuing the I don't want to say sector focused, but um, thematically or geographically focused source books. Um, you know, and I, I'm looking at my library right now. Like like Nexus of Power. Yes, and, uh, like Nexus yeah. of Power, Lords of Nalhutta, um, mm-hmm. uh, Strongholds of Resistance. Um, and, and the reason being is is I feel that those books, more than anything else, are theme focused books. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they give you they give you a a an example of kind of a theme to to focus your game around. Um, and I would absolutely love that. The one thing, and I I know they're never going to do it. But I would absolutely adore seeing, and it would probably be an Age of Rebellion focused book. Um, I would adore seeing an imperially focused book. Oh, here, here, absolutely. Um, uh, mostly because I mean, I mean, you can, especially with the duty mechanic, you can play a a, a an imperial focused game ridiculously easy, and I would, uh, I would. I would totally, I would totally be down for that. Well, as a as a player, um, whenever I was at Star Wars Celebration, I got to play with Keith Cappell, and that was my first time actually meeting him. And he ran us through Hoth as snowtroopers, and it was just <laughs> mind blowing. It was so much fun. And I agree. I, I think uh, maybe anti heroes are playing as the bad guys, and they're doing that with the new Battlefront too, right? So yeah. Well, when you look at that, that's that's part of the the core storyline that uh, that they've got is that um, that female captain in charge of special ops mm-hmm. so uh, I, th- I think that's yeah maybe they can link that in i don't know i, I know how long it takes them to produce these books so <laughs> <laughs> yes same here very cool well huli do you have any final questions um Look, the only mechanic problem that I've got is probably the move power, but I think that's been done to death. <laughs> um, but um, no, I I'm, think I'm, I'm, I'm questioned out. Everybody's asked all the questions. Um, Starship Combat, that's always the big question that gets asked. But um, somebody asked that on chat, how I deal with it or how everybody else deals with it. And I know that it's probably going to have people just go, oh, no. But um, a guy, when I was learning how to run the game in the first place, somebody um, suggested hexes, and um, I've used hexes ever since for um, for Starship Combat. Um, it gets a little bit funky when you're moving from long range to medium, but um, generally speaking, it's it's pretty good. Um, so I think that's probably the only fix that I've done to the game, really. Um, uh, I'm just, I just love it. I can't speak highly enough about the system. And no, I don't have any other questions for you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you both for joining me. Um, thank you. Again, uh, greatly yeah, appreciate it you. and your continued support. Thank you both. Thank you. Cool. All right. Phil has departed. Dave is sick as a dog. And we have uh, had several special guests on the show. Uh, Mainly the listeners, you. Uh, 
So, Gamer Nation, thank you. It's been 100 episodes of craziness. What can I say? You guys, you listeners, are the reason we continue. The community we have built, I... It's hard not to get emotional talking about it. Um, But you're the reason we continue. So, thank you for this crazy episode, this retrospective. Thank you for your continued support. And here's to 100 more episodes. Um, I hope you guys will join us. Our next episode is slated for Sunday, June 25th. And uh, if you're listening, maybe for the first time, in which case I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) um, uh, I I really want you to become a member of the Gamer Nation. Head to d20radio.com. Head to the forums. Register. Post your mind. Leave us a liner. Tell us why you never listened to the Order 66 podcast like Dustin did uh, at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. Or email us, GM Chris, GM Phil, or GM Dave at D20RADIO.com. And, uh, gosh, let us know what you think. Give us topics to talk about. Give us questions you want us to answer. We want it to continue. Um, we've got a lot of things still to discuss, and there's a lot of show topics in the fold right now, um, in the uh, in the hopper, so to speak. Um, but, you know, getting beyond the mechanics, we absolutely love getting some of the deeper questions you guys have been sending us recently over the last year. Um, it's been truly epic. This system has changed the way I game, and this podcast... has defined who I am for 10 years of my life. It's helped define me. And um, to my now absent co-hosts, GM Phil and GM Dave, they're my best friends. And men who have helped given me some purpose in my life. And to those of you listening, Gamer Nation, to all the guests and supporters we've had over the years. I mean, Sterling Hershey, Jay Little, Rodney Thompson going back, Patrick Stutzman, John Stevens, Andy Fisher, Zoe Robinson, Katrina Ostrander, <laughs> um, and more I, 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 I know that I am missing. Um... You have helped us make something, something amazing. And um, I am forever grateful. So thank you all. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And may the dice be with you. And may they be full of the force. (laughs) To a hundred more episodes. Good night. You've been listening to the Order 66 podcast brought to you by Ethan Kinsey, GM Scott, Jeremy Bensley, Bert Ingley, Joshua Taylor, and William Thiel. This podcast and related websites are not affiliated with Fantasy Flight Games, 20th Century Fox, Walt Disney Corporation, or Lucasfilm Limited, and its content is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All original content is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and Gamer Nation, LFC. (laughs) 